What's up, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Terror Table, a horror movie podcast presented by the Saskatchewan Podcast Network. My name is Mitch, and I am one of your hosts for this week's episode, which is centered around discussing the entire Ghostbusters franchise. And for the occasion, we were thrilled to welcome our friend Cody Charleston all the way from Australia. Cody is an insanely talented artist who works with oil paintings, tattooing, and other various forms of art. He's also a massive horror fanatic and has been a listener of the show for a while now, so we had a blast with Cody, and we really hope that you guys do as well. But next week on The Terror Table, Kyle returns. We will be at full force next week talking about two Yorgos Lanthimos films, which include Dogtooth and Killing of a Sacred Deer. So make sure you're subscribed to the show so you never miss an episode. But before we let this episode roll, we'd like to also share a few words from this week's sponsors. Direct West is a proud partner of the Saskatchewan Podcast Network. Is marketing getting in the way of running your business? Things like updating your Google listings, thinking of a headline for a billboard, or making sure your website is in good shape? That's where Direct West comes in. You can get local expert marketing help for your business at directwest.com. We'd also like to remind you all that you can save 10% off your next order from fright-rags.com by using the promo code TERRORTABLE10 at checkout. And with all that out of the way, enjoy this week's episode with Cody Charleston talking about Ghostbusters. And welcome back to the Terror Table. I'm Mitch, and with me as always, I'm Boozy. And we have no Kyle Zurovinsky today. He was supposed to be on this episode, but due to some school stuff that's going on with him, he's very busy. Anyone who's ever taken a university degree understands how much work it is, and uh, he's not able to be here today. But uh, we also think that that could be a cover-up for him being afraid of masculinity, because we're welcoming our incredibly handsome friend, Cody Charleston, all the way from Melbourne, Australia. How are you doing, Cody? I'm doing good, man. Thanks for having me on the podcast. I've been looking forward to this for a while now, so I'm really happy to be here. Hell yeah. And uh, we're going to be talking about Ghostbusters today. So Cody recommended this for a series or for an episode, and we kind of just decided, like, let's do all Ghostbusters. But I know we're going to primarily be focusing on the first two, uh, but we are going to talk about the other installments as well, as well as like I'm going to talk about the video game. We'll talk about the real Ghostbusters. This is going to be an amazing Ghostbusters special. Uh, So we're very, very excited that we could have our friend Cody here all the way from Australia because... We got to know Cody through Boozy following him on Instagram. Uh, So Boozy found Cody's Instagram account after we had done a recent series on Goosebumps. And we were talking about like all the amazing covers. And I guess, Boozy, you can kind of take it away from here if you want. Yeah, um, I I was just kind of looking through Instagram pictures after we recorded, like you had said, with the, uh, the Goosebumps covers. And I found some amazing haunted mask art and like Cody's right away when I saw it, I was like, this is a picture. It's not like no way. No, there's no way somebody drew this like. But anyway, yeah, I went and started looking through his stuff. Luckily, he didn't have a private account so I could creep through all of his pictures. And he had like Michael Myers art and he had stuff from Black Christmas. He had so much amazing art like. You know, there's alien stuff and and like I immediately showed a bunch of people. I like I sent away like, you know, I sent you it and it just it's incredible. And, I, you know, I just right away, I just I had to 
message i had to dm him and tell him how handsome he is and also that i like his art <laughs> thanks yeah, man. i really appreciate it it's really kind words i um and i mean when when a guy named night of the living deadlift comments <laughs> on your thing you immediately follow him back because that's two of your favorite things horror and the gym so <laughs> it was uh yeah it was, i really appreciate it man and um yeah i appreciate the kind words yeah of course yeah, I remember you viv- like I vividly remember you saying, honestly, this dude's one of the best artists I've ever seen and no one knows who he is or like in regards to how, how big he I, could I be. stand by that. Yeah, 100%. So, yeah, you shared his uh, his art on our Instagram story and then but a boom, but a bing, we became close, fast friends like uh, all three of us have pretty much connected online and we talk fairly regular regularly and Cody, you're consistently pushing your your artistic vision forward by continuing your oil paintings and like your portraits and even you getting into the world of tattooing is something that's incredibly exciting. And uh, we just, we're very happy to have you here, not only as a friend, but as an incredible artist who we want to, we want to pick your brain and find out how it ticks with the horror genre. Well, thanks man. I I really appreciate it. Um, It's, and I'll just say as well, like when, like I stumbled upon this podcast when Busey told me that he did a podcast, I was always looking, I was actually looking for a one that was horror based. And I mean, there was a couple I listened to that were, just didn't feel like, I know I felt scripted and then finding you guys where it's just a couple of guys that are really just into horror and, and, you know, a bit of comedy and just a bit of everything else. And it was something that I just, I felt like I've been looking for for a while. So I'm really glad that I found you guys and, you know, I've, been yeah i've been loving your podcast ever since and i'm really grateful to have you guys as friends as well because we're literally the same people except you guys are from canada <laughs> that's it we're yeah. you're like the cold version of you guys yeah pretty much i mean victoria and australia the weather's awful don't 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 think that it's it's continuously hot 24 7 it is so cold right now we have like, like in melbourne yeah melbourne so i'm in melbourne and the weather down here, it doesn't make up its mind. It's it's four seasons in one day. It's either really hot, really cold, or thunderstorming. It's just ridiculous. Crazy. Well, you, you said that you're in Melbourne, but what about your address and postal code? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what, what's, your, uh, what's your social insurance number, by the way? <laughs> yeah. What you Honestly, man, your computer is being attacked. I can tell you that right now. If you send me your credit card information, I can fix it. <laughs> okay i have a question though. okay if there's like a bunch of different seasons where do the spiders go do they just move around every day your toilet day trying like yeah where do they go so <laughs> he's like these are questions i don't want to answer honestly <laughs> i'm here to talk about spiders obviously. and i i need you i need you to on top of that answer i need you to tell me if you've ever had an experience with a spider or a snake in your toilet but go from the beginning I so i love the thing with so I understand, like, the top 10 deadliest snakes in the world, We I think we have eight of them. And I, th- I think it's we have a lot of the deadliest spiders as well, and also sharks, and pretty much everything else that can kill you lives in Australia. Uh, but We like sharks, though. Sharks are kind of cute. The other two yeah. can fuck yeah, off. Sharks are sharks crocodiles are as well, I mean. Yeah, yeah, fuck yeah. I've never actually come into, like, face-to-face with a snake, like, out in the wild. I never have. Uh, probably oh, some, I've, I've never lived out on a farm or I've, I've always lived in town. That's but great to hear. I'm just going to come stay with you. <laughs> <laughs> we do we do get a lot of spiders. Unfortunately, yeah. I haven't found one in the toilet yet, but I found a couple in the shower. 
and it's just like they, they can they can be most of them are tiny but there's some like huntsmen's that actually are not dangerous at all they actually kill the big ones for you which is good but they're probably the biggest ones you see down here, and they're only like palm size, so it's not really I'm, a major. I'm looking you at pictures right now. Holy palms, shit! You said only palm size. I meant Dude. like from your from your palm. I'm not talking like like if you Booze, like you don't have the like Google thirty spiders. Yeah, no, no, I know what he's talking about. Like Cody, the oh. biggest the biggest thing we have here uh, is is way tinier than that. This, okay, also, you guys, you guys, I, I googled huntsman spiders because I wanted to know, and instantly I was like, oh, fuck that. Um, but one of the first pictures that comes up is Melissa McCarthy hospitalized following terrifying huntsman spider bite. It and was that is meant wild. to be. You know, that's that's how you, you go full circle on this show. That's that what huntsman. we call serendipity. Yeah. That huntsman's my boy. <laughs> <laughs> Nah, I like I don't mind Melissa McCarthy, but yeah, nah, I, I can't stand her movies. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, I hear you. We'll we'll get there. But um, but yeah, so yeah, like you obviously you live in a completely different world than we do, but we've connected over a mutual love of horror movies and horror art, and uh, just like I know we've talked about TV shows, we've talked about lots of stuff that isn't even horror. Um, we just kind of seem like we'd all be actual buddies in real life so it's always nice and special when something like that happens it's just a huge bonus when you are literally one of the most talented people i've ever come in contact with um so yeah to like I, i'm meaning that to make you very uncomfortable <laughs> no I, 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 i'm over the moon man that's that's really nice of you to say that i mean i've to hear someone that's you know not anywhere near me say that you know across the other side of the world it's it's a really good feeling and i mean you know, it really means a lot. So it's not at all uncomfortable. It's really nice. But thank you. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's great, man. And uh, I want to start the show off. I know we're only even in the first 10 minutes here, but I want our listeners to know where they can find you online even before we begin all this stuff. Because I think everyone who's into our show or anything that we're into, you're going to find something on Cody's page to appreciate. And you're someone who's you're, you're currently getting into tattooing. Um, but your your oil painting stuff alone is just an absolute reason to follow. So where can people follow you on Instagram? Uh, you can follow me on Instagram at Cody J. Charleston. Uh, that's where I'm frequently posting all of my stuff. Uh, I do a bit of YouTube every now and then. I haven't posted a video in a while of, a, of some uh, time lapse. I got stuff planned. So just look up Cody Charleston on YouTube and you'll probably find me. But yeah, that, those two are the main ones I usually post. Awesome. Well, yeah, like I said, you're you're recently starting tattooing, and I know, like, with the the way that COVID's going, I can't imagine it's it's very easy to be in a, a tattoo apprentice. But regardless, even if that's just something you're going to be doing down the road when this shit's out of the way, you have an incredible head start because uh, your your page is incredible, your art is phenomenal, and uh, I love you, and I want to get married. <laughs> I love Most you too. Most importantly. <laughs> but I all love, right. I love, I love you too, Dad. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I just want someone to get the approval I never got. Uh, what was that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we'll say one thing as well. We have attempted this podcast th- uh, twice due to technical difficulties. So we had like a 20-minute conversation talking about it. Yeah. But uh, one thing I wrote on my notes before the podcast started, which was talk to Mitch about divorce parenthood because – Mitch loves to talk about his divorced parents, and I mean, I do too, so it's, it's, it's great. It's like, I mean, I've got two Christmases ever since I was five years old, so I mean, I'm, I'm <laughs> and I, like, it's, yeah, that's, I think that's the best thing about it, but 
a brother well, of probably, a struggle. You probably, like milked the shit out of that. Hey, uh, not at all, really. I, I like it. Get much better when your parents aren't yelling at each other. <laughs> oh, much better. Nah, much, yeah. much. Just a, we're just a perfect match. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But yeah, okay, so Cody, where let's talk about your your experience with horror and the horror genre. Where did your love for horror begin? As a kid, I was always just obsessed with things of the unknown. Uh, I mean, urban legends like Bigfoot and the Loch Ness Monster, going towards, you know, just vampires and werewolves and witches. Uh, so anything that was I watched as a kid that was in the theme of Halloween was something that I'd always just gravitate to. So, you know, the Simpsons Treehouse of Horror episodes, I was a big fan of. And then having older brothers uh, who were a lot older, obviously a lot older than me, I was shown stuff that was a little bit before my time. For example, uh, Goosebumps is my number one. When they showed me Goosebumps, something just struck and it just was all downhill from there pretty much. Um, that really just kickstarted my my love for horror, and uh, yeah, where it really started. As far as like actual like horror movies, like after because obviously Goosebumps is where we all became friends. There's a mutual love for that, and that's that's amazing that we we kind of all have the same rite of passage for uh, for horror movies. Um, but where did it go after that? So after Goosebumps, like I wasn't allowed to watch horror films until I was a little bit older. Uh, but through after Goosebumps, it was stuff like Ghostbusters and Gremlins, where it was things that I was allowed to watch as a kid that was horror-themed. So that's why a lot of my work is sort of gravitated towards nostalgia of stuff from my nostalgia stuff from my childhood because I was constantly obsessed with that as a kid. And like going back to Goosebumps, the TV show as well was you know something that I was just obsessed with. I remember. When my brothers were younger, they'd actually videotape the episodes on TV. And I actually remember taking them out of the shed and of like all of our like Tupperware containers of VHS movies and rewatching them. And it was just from that. <laughs> those on, are the best, man. Those big collections of old VHS tapes. Oh, I miss those so much. I'm anything from this, just VHS in general, I miss. I mean, Blu-rays and 4Ks are great, but nothing better than rewinding videotape. Totally. Is there any, um, I was just going to ask about the Goosebumps thing, is there any certain covers that you really like, like other than like the Haunted Mask, obviously you did an homage to that, like what other covers do you really like from there? My favorite cover is Piano Lessons, Cami Murder. Yes. Which okay, is actually, okay. which is one that I, was one of the very few covers that I actually um, copy when I was younger. Then there's obviously the Haunted Mask and uh, Ghost Beach as well is a great one. Oh, I dude, love that one. So underrated. Caves. Yeah. But yeah, and I would say this as well, like another question that really relates to my art as well is like Tim Jacobus's work, who, the Tim who did the covers, that really just, that also, that that was the biggest thing of Goosebumps that really hit me where I, it was something I wanted to do, which is I really wanted to be an artist and yeah, his work is still crazy this day. He's still doing the same stuff two years later. And he's, yeah, I've just, those covers are just, they're still amazing to this day. There's just so much iconic horror imagery in the Goosebump series. And like you said, what was the creator's name again? Like the artist? Uh, Tim Jacobus. Yeah. See, I feel like I should know that name and I, I, I don't know it like by heart and everything. And I feel like a lot of people should, cause there's some incredible artwork uh, in his catalog and, 
you can see where your where the inspirations lie for your work. Um, but like, how about when you started getting into it? Cause like you've done pieces for black Christmas where you've had like, uh, the person's head being suffocated by a plastic bag. Like where, where did the love for the, the more crazy shit come from? Uh, I just, that was actually the first one where I wanted to really use like, like plastic and paint plastic in my paintings. Uh, but I think it was when I like, I, I was a lot younger and I think it was the first time I really saw an actual horror film in any sense or form. I snuck out in my bedroom and I remember like seeing my dad watching Poltergeist and the scene where the mum's getting dragged into the cupboard and she's got the football jersey on and you see the actual Poltergeist itself and just how crazy it was. And I remember thinking like, wow, that's, that's stuff that I, I just, I know I shouldn't watch it, but I just, just I was so gravitated towards it. And yeah. Yeah, it's like this ain't your grandpa's goosebumps. Yeah, that wasn't goosebumps. That was some different shit. <laughs> yeah, which is weird because goosebumps scared me more than poltergeist when I was a kid, which is severely fucked up. Um, well, the, the best thing about goosebumps was, and as I said like a lot earlier, which when we're off air, like I felt like I was born five years too late. For example, like my mates in school were watching Cartoon Network and. Nickelodeon and had no idea what Goosebumps was. They just thought it was, they knew the books, but the books were at the very back of the library. So it was like, they weren't really into it. And yeah, I they were more so reading Gary it. Paulson's hatchet. Oh, <laughs> that wasn't until high school. We're yeah. keeping that alive. Hey, because <laughs> me and Cody had to talk about it. <laughs> yeah. Gary Paulson's hatchet is um, a book. Both of us studied in high school that, Look, the book was good. I've only seen like 30 minutes of the movie, but I don't know if the movie's really good. Is the movie good? I've never seen it. Adam Green's hatchet? <laughs> no, not... Well, like, the Adam Green movie... The Adam Green hatchet is good. Um, that, that's actually based off the book as well. Yeah, but it's completely different than Gary Paulson's hatchet. You, speaking of uh, Adam Green, you might actually like what I watched this week. But, yeah, so... The hatchet uh, books, my brother studied it as well literally the high school they studied every year and so there's like three copies at my mum's house of the hatchet book <laughs> that's amazing one one for every bathroom <laughs> yeah it's perfect because yeah, that, yeah that book that book was fucking amazing for me but i was never forced to read it in school it's so weird hearing how like everyone else was like oh this may as well be like the canterbury tales like something that i didn't really personally enjoy that uh that it was forced upon me that was like, for me, that was like Goodwill Hunting. Now, we started Goodwill Hunting, and this was, I think, it was my final year in high school. Like the I'd movie? Seen it. Yeah, the movie. Oh, I love that movie. What are you, oh, you going to shit it? one of my favorite films oh, ever. Okay. But like, that was a movie where I was like, I don't want to watch that because I don't want to study it. And yeah, exactly. It just, yeah. But I think that's the only thing I studied that I actually liked and enjoyed. <laughs> my Christian ethics teacher showed us X Men <laughs> and Batman Begins. <laughs> What are Christian about those? And then I got kicked out of that class for comparing the Bible to Harry Potter. Like that, that is... was a, something that actually happened. I'm like, dude, you showed us Batman Begins last week. Batman Begins is that movie I'll, I'll always watch if I'm sad. I think that movie is just like so perfect. Good. Yeah, I love yeah. it as well. Oh, that's awesome, man! That would be great. What do you have planned for? Like, what? What? Uh, you're currently kind of going through some of your like re- your uh, nostalgia phases. Like, what do you have? Some other stuff planned for the future? I mean, at the moment, 
I'm doing a goo- another Goosebumps-themed piece that revolves around my previous work, which is it's in the form of like a garage sale theme. So it's just stuff from my childhood with things packaged up with tape and, and wrapping to sort of make it look like it's being sold at a garage sale. And, the, the, yeah, the current one's Goosebumps, but I kind of want to continue that because I've been getting a lot of good feedback on it, and I think I want to sort of chase that at the moment and then obviously tattooing is something that I really want to do and I want to you know travel with it as well eventually so they're the main things that are on the card right now for me well you're obviously like perfect at what you're doing like you you mentioned the bubble wrap I think I mentioned the banjo kazooie you have all those like uh portraits of like Stephen King uh Joe Rogan Tom Segura like there there's just some amazing portraits on there as well and I do you, you you're definitely very gifted at what you're doing and don't fix what isn't broken. Thanks, man. I mean, I really said so this is probably a different thing to hear, but uh, the lockdown with COVID really actually was one of the best things that ever happened to me for my art. I uh, was like, if you look at the previous portrait that I did before lockdown, I think was Lee Winnell. I painted. Oh yeah. Compared to that, and Chadwick Boseman is a massive difference because all I do is just sit in a room and paint all day, and I mean, it was the best thing. Again, the best thing that's ever happened to me. And yeah, again, I'm I'm really grateful for the kind words, man. Yeah, absolutely, man. Um, well, what about like let's let's talk about some horror movies. Like, have you seen any recent shit that you want to talk about that stood out to us? We can kind of start this off as a as like a roundtable if you're you're down for that, boozy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, cool. But I guess before we get on to that, like uh, size, what are what are we working with here? Imperial or metric? It doesn't matter to us. <laughs> so. Um, do you want me to start off? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, what have you seen, Cody? <laughs> um, so one's horror theme that I watched, I mean, I, wa- I first watched it a few years ago. Uh, that was Adam Green's Digging Up the Marrow. Okay, oh, nice. yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, I find enjoyment out of it. And I mean, it's, I'm not a big Adam Green fan, but I love monsters that are, animatronics and pop props i think uh, they're just a, nothing beats that are that beats that are easily over cgi but the idea of mock, a mockumentary film dealing with that is really interesting i don't know i felt like the ending for me was very unsatisfactory and um yeah i just but i enjoyed it i mean it's in my opinion it's adam's best movie whoa but See, i know i know that's a very controversial thing because Everyone loves Hatchet. I don't mind Hatchet, the first one, to be exact. The uh, second one's the best one. I, I'll, I'll agree. I'm not huge on, on Hatchet either. The second one has some of the funniest kills I've ever seen, but I, I'm, I'm also not going to die on the hill of Hatchet. <laughs> I, will, I, will say, I will say I have huge respect for Adam Green because he's doing something that a lot of directors, I think, don't, and that's with horror and that's really making a great homage to the old eighties, you know, 70 slasher movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I have a lot of respect for the guy. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, like frozen is my favorite of his. Have you seen frozen? Oh, I, he directed frozen. Didn't he? Yeah. Frozen. Oh, see? Yeah. I know you got to yeah. eat your words, bud. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. For, yeah. for me, it goes like part. frozen hatchet to hatchet one um i'm drawing blanks on his other movies but i probably didn't like them too much i can't stand his tv show holliston <laughs> i thought digging up the marrow was pretty good though i'll agree on that i yeah, yeah i feel the exact awesome. same way you did cody 
Yeah, the monsters were done really well, I think. And I oh, mean, I'm party. glad. What was that? Sorry. Uh, it's uh, like all the all the monsters are based off of the artwork of Alex Pardee. Yeah, yeah, I remember, yeah. I remember that he did like album artwork for the Used and Flames. Uh, there are so many, so many bands, but there was a while there in like the early two thousands where Alex Pardee's shit was just all the rage in like the metalcore punk scene. Pretty. I actually listened to Alex on a podcast recently talking about his art, and I. Was- yeah, I remember because I remember listening to an artist that did work for the used. But yeah, he's a he's a phenomenal artist. Yeah, and those I, monsters look amazing. Yeah, exactly. Like, there's just so many things they could have done with it. But at the same time, I get it. Like, it's it's a tough and a restrictive process when when you're not working with crazy Hollywood budgets. Oh, absolutely. And I think sometimes that's the best part because it really allows the directors to be more creative as well. Cool. Well, uh, Boozy, do you, like, let's. We're gonna circle back to you, Cody. We're gonna keep talking, but I know that you and I watched something this week in yeah. common. But uh, I want to see what Boozy. Yeah, I want to see what Boozy's thinking. Like, uh, Boozy, what have you been up to in the horror realm? I've only watched one thing, and it's Anaconda's Hunt for the Blood Orchid. <laughs> yes. I'm so okay. I am so happy that you said that because that's my favorite Anaconda movie. Whoa. See, okay, I okay, I love um, I love the original. The original is perfect for me. I, I love that. Sorry, it's one of my favorite like actual monster movies in the form that's just an animal. Yeah, and yeah, but I don't know why. I just I loved Anacondas too. I think, and I felt like they should have just ended it there. Oh, I'll, oh, I'll definitely agree with you on that one. Absolutely. <laughs> and I actually, like, I, I want to state, I'm a fan of Hunt for the Blood Orchid, but, like, Anaconda is just, like, it's a it's a whole other thing for me. <laughs> yeah. No, I understand. I mean, I'm, um... Yeah. I'm in the minority. Like, I don't want to seem like the guy that's, like, has to be, always has to be different. I, I don't know. I just, I enjoyed the second one so much more. I probably, uh, they're both great. And, I mean, the, the first one, the classic. But, yeah, well, I, I feel like... like I like the first one because it's goofy and like, you know, like at least the, there's some very tense scenes, but I do like how it's goofy. But Hunt for the Blood Orchid is like, uh, it's definitely they take it a lot more seriously. Is that what you I think picked that's up why on this I like it too. It's got yeah. a very early 2000 and, and like two film-esque type where it's very dark. And it, yeah. But yeah, it uses the environment as a really good way of like of, of using horror, which I really enjoyed as well. But yeah, I, I like both of them. They're all they're both great films. So I'm glad you brought up Anacondas too. Oh, Cody, you're you're 100 percent right that it is it is very much a darker film and a more serious one. And I I can see why you would you would maybe like this one or why you do like this one more than than the other one. They definitely ramp it up quite a bit, um, and they they play to a lot more, I will agree, they play to a lot more of the strengths of maybe the location setting better. I feel like they they have the snake doing more things. Um, it's a fake snake. Well, well yeah, no, no. Faker. But like, just, faker. Um, but I, I will say, though, there is one particular scene I can even think about right now, just remembering back, where they had, um, they were going through a swamp, and the snake oh, and was the... basically going in between all of them. And it was amazing. I, it's amazing because like you can you can watch something like that and go like holy shit like this is and it's an intense scene you're you're watching it it shows its scale too it it totally does and i think it was it was done so well and to have a scene scene that sticks out so much like that in in anacondas like a sequel they're like wow that there there is some good stuff to be had in there and like 
they throw a freaking boat over a giant cliff for a while and there's a there's a uh, like a monkey that hangs out with people i Dude, kind of i i, I can't remember i remember being i think i went and seen spider-man 2 and when Spo- I went and seen Spider-Man 2, they showed the, t- uh, the teaser trailer for Anacondas. And they showed that it was... They didn't show much, but they showed that scene where the snake's weaving in between them. And I remember mm-hmm. being, like, terrified, but excited to see that movie. Oh, yeah, totally. And what I was going to mention is... I can't believe I haven't mentioned this on the show before, but Morris Chestnut, he plays Gordon Mitchell in in the Hunt for, Hunt for the Blood Orchid. His death is maybe my most feared death of all time. He's the oh, one who find he finds a spider in his boot and it paralyzes him. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he has to just be paralyzed and watch as an anaconda devours him. Yeah, that's why I don't never want to go to the Amazon ever. <laughs> that scene <laughs> fucking terrified me, and it still does. Like I just the idea of that. Like I know it's ridiculous, but the idea scares the shit out of me. Oh, 100%. And that's why I still haven't seen Itsy Bitsy yet. I feel like I'll watch one scene on YouTube and I'm like, nah, no thank you. <laughs> you know what? I, I can see where you're coming from. I can see where you're coming from. I mean, I do love, I love Eight-Legged Freaks a lot, but yeah. because they're just, it's a comedy, but yeah. Arachnophobia as well. Oh, Arachnophobia is also really good. Um, yeah. But yeah, I feel like spider movies are never like consistent. They're never really, beat. They're never, they never get made these days. So I'm really excited. I'm terrified, but I'm excited to watch Itsy Bitsy because I have an undying fear for spiders. Yeah, and, it's it's and, pretty good. It's pretty good. like Mitch. I think we've both. I don't know if Kyle ever watched it. I I still haven't seen it, but I know oh, I you, you saw it and you it. you liked it quite a bit. Yeah, no, I definitely like. I thought you had seen it for some reason. No, um, yeah, I'll put no, it on I the list. If you if you're terrified of spiders, it does a great representation of that. And another thing too, I remember you saying on the podcast the uh, spiders like animatronic. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's that's definitely a, a selling point for me. So um, yeah, I'm gonna, definitely gonna watch it. Yeah, it's something that we do not get enough of these days is animatronics. Now it's just mocap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, everything CGI, which I mean yeah. it's fine for big scale movies like you know the Avengers and stuff. But I don't know, I love I'd rather see a an animatronic werewolf instead of a CGI werewolf any day. Oh yeah, absolutely. Cool. Boozy, do you have anything else you want to add about Hunt for the Blood Orchid? Um, I would say it's definitely worth a rewatch, even if you haven't recently watched First Anacondas. They're they're fairly uh, they're they're so different from each other that you can watch one without the other. So yeah. and it's it's on Netflix right now. So if you want something that and, and I especially would say if you haven't seen it at all, even just go find the scene we're talking about with the swamp. I'm sure, like Cody said, it's in the trailer. It's just that that's like really good, a really good intense, like that. that is really good horror right there. Yeah, really awesome. good cre- creature run amok shit. Cool. Well, I kind of want to keep it on the same sort of path right now. I have a couple things to talk about today, actually, but um, I'm going to hold off on the one that we were just about to talk about, Cody. And I'm going to talk about Sasquatch, which is the latest TV series on Crave. Uh, I believe it's available on Hulu, and it has been for a while. And recently, Canada has been given access. Like, Hulu's adding shows to Crave now, so that's how I was able to see this. Obviously, I had never heard of this before until it popped up on my screen. Boozy, did you hear about this show? Yeah, actually, I had uh, listener Bryson reach out to me, and he's like, hey, you have to watch this. I haven't 
gotten around to it, but he was raving about it. Yeah, yeah. So it's a three-part series, and like I said, available Hulu and Crave. Um, but the actual subject matter of this documentary series is fascinating, and I do dig the style of the doc a lot. I really, really enjoyed watching it. Um, but I just don't buy all of the information that we're given in it, and I could see and hear like the seams of the show at times, and I could definitely see the exploitative twinkle in the filmmaker's eye. That's not necessarily a bad thing, because like, so, like that's kind of what docs are at their core. Sasquatch, it follows an investigative journalist, David Holthouse, as he attempts to solve a bizarre 25-year-old triple homicide that was said to be the work of a mythical creature, which is Bigfoot. And uh, so you actually have footage with, like, there's there's real interviews with, who's the one who's alive still? The Gimlin, um, Patterson Gimlin. Uh, uh, Bob, Bob Gimlin Patterson is, is dead. Isn't yeah, it? Bob, yeah, Bob Gimlin is actually in the series. They interview him. And uh, that's very interesting stuff. I think definitely if this is one that I recommend to people, if you're a true fan, true crime fan, or if you're a fan of Sasquatch or Bigfoot, uh, this is definitely going to tick some boxes for you. It's really interesting. Um, But it just a lot of it was frustrating for me because like they feature real cell phone calls and like a lot of these calls are really crazy, but like compared to, the rest of the way that they cut the rest of the series, it kind of makes it seem like they might have cut out, cut those calls to sound way more intense than they are. And once again, I kind of know that's a documentary thing to begin with, but the, the magic just, of editing, it just feels like it's amped up quite a bit in this. And like, obviously this guy knew that he was not going in make like, it's called Sasquatch. And he's like, obviously I'm going to like kind of turn a blind eye the first episode and reveal what we're really talking about here. Cause uh, if you're going in expecting, you know, everything about Sasquatch, you're, you're, you won't be, it's not going to be for you, but I do think that you should watch it regardless if you're interested in Sasquatch at all, because it's just, yeah, it's, it's a really interesting documentary series, but like, it's just weird for me at sometimes because the director or the, the guy who, the investigative journalist, like he's leading the film and he's like, doing these testimonials with people where he's behind the camera and like, he seems legit. And then he, there'll be scenes where he's sitting in like the chair to get questioned and he's like sharing experiences and he sounds just as crazy and permafried as like half of the people that they talk to in this series. That's like kind of the, the downside of it, but it it is one of those ones that's just, it's really entertaining. There's some wacky characters some like crazy, crazy characters that you wouldn't see in many other things. Uh, but yeah, I just think if you're if you're a fan of documentaries, I I recommend it. Yeah, I um I love it. I I love an urban legend as much as anyone does. And I mean, Bigfoot's a big one for me. We actually have an urban legend in Australia called the Gippsland Panther. I was gonna uh, say, okay, do you guys have what is your guys's? Do you guys have a version of Sasquatch? No, but we have. I think we are, all we have is a Gippsland panther. It's just oh. this story that. What is that? It's, actually, it's around where I my hometown is, and what there's this whole urban legend that it was a panther that got lost in a circus and it just sort of like escaped, and it's just in the middle of like in Gippsland. I mean, which is pretty much all of around in my where my hometown is. And I mean, there's been sightings and people think they hear noises of like of like a big cat. But I don't know if it's, I think it's kind of died out now. I haven't heard really anything for years. There's nothing on the level of, you know, Sasquatch or the Loch Ness Monster or anything. But yeah, it's 
we 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 have one <laughs> yeah yeah that's crazy yeah no that's like it, this is definitely one of those ones where there's some really interesting elements to explore regarding bigfoot that you wouldn't normally think about especially like the setting of where all of like the Patterson Gimlin film even happened. There's, there's so many things that I didn't know that came to light in this that just make the whole lore behind Bigfoot so much more interesting. And did you uh, like the, uh, the, the guy who, who follows Gimlin around, like discrediting him saying that he's the one who is in the, the Sasquatch suit. Did I you watch this? I watched the first episode. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, I was like, what the fuck? Yeah, no, I love that. Like, cause uh, I, I was waiting for it to see where you guys were going to keep talking about it. But yeah, I've seen the, ep- the first episode. Hell yeah. You got to keep watching. Cause honestly, in my opinion, it's episode two and three where it gets like really good. Um, but it is. Yeah. The, the, I have seen that guy. <laughs> That's pretty wild. Uh, but yeah, like I said, that's Sasquatch. So check it out if you're a fan of Sasquatch or true crime or anything like that. Especially if you're just fan of, a fan of true crime, I think you're going to find something really interesting here. Yeah, I'll definitely check it out. I was going to actually ask, how whereabouts are the locations like revolving around like Bigfoot? Like, are you guys near that area? There's no. actually been sightings in Saskatchewan. Yeah, yeah, there's been sightings, but uh, what's the it's, yeah, I'm, it's a, I'm more a little bit more BC, of a, though. I'm a little bit more of a skeptic, but it was where they had a lot of pot farms. Um, okay. Yeah, uh, I I'm drawing a blank on it, and that's something I should have written down. And I also should have had drilled into my head by the end of a three part series, but <laughs> I can't <laughs> I can't remember where it was. But it's somewhere in the in the U.S. where the oh, pa- cool. it's right around where the Patterson Gimlin film was was made. Cody, do you have anything else you want to mention before we talk about the one that you and I have both seen? I mean, I watched the uh, the old 70s Salem's Lot again, which I love. And I don't think you're a fan of, Mitch, but uh, yeah, I love that movie. But yeah, that's pretty much it. Do you, so you, you obviously grew up with the Salem's Lot movie, though, hey? That was the first movie that really terrified me as a kid. Uh, okay. same, so my dad had the same exact window with the va- like the vampire scratching at the window saying, and I just... Like, that was my bedroom. So when yeah. I watched that as a kid, that really just messed... That really fried me in every I way. I love that scene. Oh, it's... Like, the movie's old, but it's there's a lot of stuff with it that's just amazing. I mean, they remade it as another TV movie with Rob Lowe in the early 2000s. <laughs> if you I, saw, I saw a best of of that. Because <laughs> there's actually, like, videos, like, uh, showing... Like, I, I've heard it's terrible. It's terrible, but there's a couple of scenes that they do much better than the uh, than the seventies one. For oh, example, crazy. the kitchen the kitchen scene where you see Mr. Barlow properly for the first time is much yeah. better in the uh, two thousand and four version than the seventies one. So I think the seventies really? because in that's the seventies that's an iconic scene too, though. But like the seventies version. Mr. Barlow, when he kills um, the kid's parents, Mr. Barlow kind of just grabs both their heads and then just smacks them together. <laughs> but, like, there's a cartoon, like, bonk, when they do it, that, that they play in that makes it hilarious. But, like, in the, in the 2004 version, he crawls up on the, on the ceiling like a spider and then just, like, snaps the mum's neck. Oh, yeah. And it's okay, so violent. I can get down with that. That's pretty it's rank, cool. yeah. But yeah, Rob Lowe is just Rob Lowe in it, so it's not too nothing too special. Yeah, yeah, I know I hear you. Well, um, I guess then we can lead into I'm gonna yeah, we watch Mortal Kombat. Mortal Kombat came out recently. 
And uh, I were you one of those guys who watched the first seven minutes before it came out? I didn't, but I, like, I stopped watching trailers after the second trailer. I felt like it was just it was spoiling too much for me. I, like I really wanted to, like I with like Cabal and stuff being shown. I didn't really want to see that until I watched the movie. So I kept a lot of it on the down low. But the first seven minutes, I will say, is the best part of the movie. Absolutely. <laughs> I have yeah. seen your letterbox review of what your rating is, so I'm looking very <laughs> forward to hearing what you think about this movie because I know you're like me. I know you're a big Mortal Kombat fan. Yeah, yeah, no, and it was funny because you and I were texting like right as I was starting it, and I hadn't watched I hadn't watched the first seven minutes because I was just like I'm already sold on a Mortal Kombat movie. My hype couldn't be higher, uh, even knowing like James Wan's behind it. But no, we have cast members from like the Raid and like some of the best recent action movies that we've seen, and like just picture a Mortal Kombat movie in 2021. They have to have some idea that's going to really bring it. Been, there's a reason why we don't see Mortal Kombat movies all the time. Like, I, I'm a huge fan of the game series. Massive fan. I'm actually going to talk. I can just throw it in right here. I I got late to I was late to it, but I've been playing Mortal Kombat 11, the ultimate edition, over the last couple days. And fuck me, is it just amazing? <laughs> like, it is so good. It's like... The story for the fight, the story for a fighting game is way better than you would expect. And like, there's some juicy Easter eggs and plot points that stem throughout the whole franchise in it. And of course, it's like insanely gory. There's amazing kills. Character design is the best it's ever been. And like, the unlockable skills are some of uh, like, they're way more important than you think they would be. Because like, Sub Zero, he's always been my guy. But like, I don't love his look in the storyline for the new game. But the skins allowed me to play as my dude, Sub Zero. <laughs> um, so, like, I was, I'm, I'm absolutely loving it. Uh, have you guys? Have either of you guys played it? I played. I haven't played Mortal Kombat 11 since it first came out. Um, I really liked it, but I loved Mortal Kombat 10. Well, 10 was incredible because, especially like the unlockable characters, you get like Xenomorph, Leatherface. Um, yeah, Xenomorph story... is just like you can't. It's it's that player that you're not allowed to play as because it's like. If you play as Xenomorph, you're going to destroy whoever you're playing. Guys, yeah. I'm going to be honest. I haven't played Mortal Kombat since, like, Sega. Oh, damn. Well, that was the best. <laughs> oh, the Sega years I, were incredible. I, I just, I, yeah, I, this is a, a like, I, I think I've probably played more Killer Instinct in my life than I have Mortal Kombat. I'm just being yeah. real here. Yeah, and Killer Instinct is okay, but it's a Mortal it's Kombat. It's definitely clone. a ripoff. Like, yeah. you know, 100%. But if Mortal Kombat is, like, Mortal Kombat 2, I grew up with, like, uh, cousins who got me really into like horror and specifically Mortal Kombat and when it came to video games like it was always an event when the new games came out and I would remember even when I wasn't able to get the new one I would be going in the summertime to visit my cousins and I would I always remember I'd walk into the living room and they're playing Mortal Kombat and it's some brutal fatality and I was just like it got my like childhood self so excited I loved Mortal Kombat so much specifically 2 2 is my favorite God, um, I need to hear about this movie. That like I I have no vested interest in this movie, but I need to know what you guys think. I'll tell you, uh, but I, I I told you guys I was going to send you something in the chat. I'm sending it now. It's a picture of Kotal Khan, who was a he was a character in Mortal Kombat X, like the the tenth okay. one. Uh, looks I, kind of like a really jacked up avatar. <laughs> I love this character and like the addition to him is amazing. Like I know he came out in 10 and everything, but I feel like he's really showing his 
giant thick ass teal soaked warlord self in Mortal Kombat 11 like man the, the the fucking kills that he creates are insane like he's cutting an opponent in half at the stomach and then raising him or her over his head and he's drinking their blood like a fountain and that's not even one of his special moves that's like back back B <laughs> like, it's it's unreal so I just wanted to say I'm a big Kotal Khan stan uh, but now let's talk about the movie so Cody, I'm just so tell, tell me, what, tell you me what you thought. I'll be quick too before I bring it to that. Like you, I was in the same boat with you for the games. I um I played four on the Game Boy Color, and the horror elements too. Like what I loved as a kid. So ever since I was a kid, I've always loved Mortal Kombat. And I mean, Scorpion's my guy. And I mean, I love Sub Zero. But I'll with referring to the movie, uh, probably the best thing for me was Sub Zero. Yeah, And the casting for him, as you said, the guys from The Raid, it's just the casting was done incredibly well for it. And, I mean, they really – they did incredible with the uh, – the, actually, like, the guy's a stuntman as well. I can't remember what was his – what was his name, the guy who played Sub-Zero? Uh, Joe Taslam. Yeah, yeah he's, exactly. he's yeah. like a – he's in Fast and the Furious 6, Star Trek Beyond, Night Comes for Us, The Raid. Like, yeah, he's just – he's an action legend. The Raid is an incredible film, and I love how dedicated they were making this movie. You know, the the characters alone, and they actually gave a lot of sort of not big actors, especially Australian actors. Like, they gave them a shot. For example, the two people who play Kano and Sonya Blade are Australian actors from Melbourne. I think one of them is actually from a really... It's it's popular in Australia. It's a like a soap opera. It's called Home and Away, and that's an ongoing TV show that's been going for like thirty plus years. And they just changed the characters for the ongoing 30, 30 plus years it's been a thing for. So it's good that they got you know sort of independent actors to play these these big names instead of getting a you know an A plus actor. And I really enjoyed that. The movie, however, I loved the fighting. And I, and I loved the gore and the violence, and that's all I really went into Mortal Kombat wanting. Uh, but the rest of the movie kind of fell flat for me. I'll probably need to see it again to get a proper opinion of it. But, yeah, it was... I think I rated it on Letterboxd, maybe like three stars. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, it was enjoyable, and it was a lot of fun. And, I mean, I understand it's not going to be this amazingly reviewed movie because... Well, what video game movie is an amazing reviewed movie? It's and actually it's gotten pretty good reviews. Yeah, and the and it did a, I think it earned and it's got a really small uh, budget for it too. And I think it made two hundred two. No, sorry, twenty two million in its first opening weekend, which was pretty big for a movie like that. Crazy. I actually didn't even. I I don't even know what the budget is, but uh, it looks like it made twenty three million dollars in the opening weekend. Yeah. It's, crazy but yeah i look i it was a lot of fun but uh, it's something that i'll probably i hope the sequel is a lot better yeah and it's it's crazy that they've already well, that's like not what you want to hear <laughs> well they they signed they signed uh joe taslam for like five sub-zero movies it's like maybe let's see if this one works first right which that's, it doesn't. that's like a huge blowing your load moment right there yeah yeah, yeah. and i don't know positive. I also I want to point out like how I couldn't have been more excited going into this movie like I and I also I felt the exact same way where I was like I'm honestly I'm going in to see some crazy kills and some badass fighting like I want some cool martial arts it's a Mortal Kombat movie it, a Mortal Kombat movie in 2021 should have really good martial arts 
which this doesn't. Um, but the thing is there, like some of the fight scenes are a lot of fun and it's just cool seeing the characters that I grew up loving, looking kind of more badass than ever. With that being said, like I honestly think that the 95 version is still better <laughs> and that's not saying a lot, but I, I do think it's a better movie almost all around. Uh, I unfortunately disagree about the cast. Like I, I really Oh, God, I thought Joe Taslam as Sub-Zero was good, but uh, and Kano was good as well. He kind of stole the, stole the movie. It's like, it's really, it kind of feels like Kano's movie. And uh, those is. are some of the highlights. And he, he was definitely really good. I thought Sonya Blade was fucking terrible. But it's also kind of th- the thing where they're working with what material they're given. And it's a script for a fighting movie about a fighting tournament. Like, you can't expect amazing writing. Uh, can, I, can I ask a question about yeah. this? Um, yeah. So, so does that mean that a ton of people's favorite characters got killed, and then they're not going to be in the sequel? Uh, no, uh, I'm sure they'll find a way. Yeah. Okay, I I just wasn't sure how the how that worked. Yeah. That. Yeah. No, it's and I think it's kind of like video game rules, and like especially fighting game rules. It'll just come back as like. Oh well, it's one of his cousins or something. Oh, okay, like right. but they like they actually like show people being like dismembered and shit. Oh yeah, oh yeah, and very quick. And those are the best parts of the movie. I personally think like I I feel like I'm very alone on this. But Mortal Kombat two, like that's one of those games where it's kind of like when you see a hilarious movie and you can't remember all the funny parts because there's too many. Like I love all the characters in that game, but I was a huge Kung Lao fan. And, like, I would play as Kung Lao in Mortal Kombat 2. And Kung Lao kicks fucking ass in this movie. Like, there's some amazing... Granted, like, the scene where he he does something pretty crazy with his hat, as you'd expect. And afterwards, he says, flawless victory. And uh, he gets hit, like, 30 times before that happens. That's not a flawless victory. <laughs> yeah. Oh, did you just, like, well, actually, though? Well, dude, like, that's basic fucking... That's basic level Mortal Kombat yeah. shit. And I don't Honestly, know, I, that I, makes it seem like they didn't do their homework at that point. No, and, like, the, th- the thing is, though, it actually, like, the, ever, the characters, the set design, everything looks really cool, and it's a really, like, polished film. But it's the the action scenes. There's there's a couple where it's like there there's like forty five cuts where they didn't need it and they're just covering up really shoddy work. And um, but then there are also on the flip side other scenes like I think some of the scenes with Goro are actually pretty badass and uh, like there's there's some definitely good fight sequences in it. But for I'm going to quote Jason Hamill here for a movie about a fighting tournament. There's not a lot of fighting or and there isn't a tournament. <laughs> Yeah, like they. I, don't, I was reading an interview with the director. Yeah, I was reading an interview with the director the other day, and he was saying that they were never intentioned the tournament to be in the first one. It was always going to be in a in a sequel. Then again, that's you know, stupid. Was, yeah, that's incredibly dumb. It's uh, so they're all just hanging around fighting. The first, yeah, like pretty much. It's like High School oh. Musical where they like have uh, interactions with each other, and it's like, all right, now it's on. <laughs> it's time to see. There's one. My biggest con with the movie is that, and this isn't a spoiler because they say it in the trailer, with the birthmark, they touch on the birthmark oh, a God, lot. it's so dumb. Yeah. And it's so, like, we get it the first time. Like, we don't need <laughs> the next nine times. And another thing, too, like, I maybe I enjoyed it a little bit more because I knew I wasn't going to care about Cole, the main character, because he wasn't a Mortal Kombat character. Oh, that's another gripe I have. Like, they, are you... They should have just... You're so 
if they just made him Liu Kang. Liu Kang or Sonya Blade or Jax or Reed. Hold on. So, hold on. So, so in a in a thing that's based on a million characters fighting, they couldn't have picked one of their many characters that they already have implanted within this series for their fans. They had to make no, a new one. No, they chose yeah. a new character for you to follow. Yeah. No, th- so, so that's like they just like invented a new Muppet and then made you care about it. It's funny. Yeah. I'm gonna be talk. I'm gonna be talking about the Ghostbusters video game in the main feature, but they do the same thing, and it really works in a video game. But you like because you can just basically be a fly on the wall and get to see your favorite characters play out and you play as a nobody, but you feel like one of them. I think that's awesome. But in this, it's like we did. You could have easily made the Sonya Blades movie or Liu Kang or like there's and it should be Scorpion's movie. Who are we kidding? So is this OK? Is this new main person like do they have cool anything? Are they cool at all? No. They're, oh, that's a resounding really bad USA fighter. Yeah, he's he's just like kind of generic. Like he's very very generic in a movie that has like armies of Barakas. <laughs> like it's like I don't understand how you can do this shit. But uh, I don't. Know. I I did like. There was a lot of times where I felt like them take. They were taking different inspirations from the games to like explain character traits, and those are things that I really enjoyed about the movie. Yeah, like the rept the reptile fight was pretty cool too. Like I'm not gonna lie, I thought that reptile fight was badass. That was one thing I always actually enjoyed with it was that they changed up the uh, the look of him. You yeah, know, it wasn't just a guy that looked like Scorpion, but was green. It was an actual lizard. Uzi really would love this that. one. I feel like that. Yeah, the fights were very chunky in the way they were edited, and I mean the payoff. I won't spoil anything, but like, yeah, the, the ending felt a little bit like it was a bit average for me. Yeah. So, but I hope the sequel gets a lot better. Yeah, I I hope so too. I just think it was a it was a little bit of a disappointment for me. I actually I prefer the '95 version. I prefer. I actually really. I don't know. This is a like a lot of people didn't like it, but I really enjoyed the the web series I made a couple of years ago, Mortal Kombat Legacy. Yeah, it, that was really cool. Yeah, like the idea of the first season being about, and I mean, I know they kind of did this in the movie, but the first season being about them, like how they become their characters and the second season's a tournament. I just felt like they tried doing that in this movie and it just didn't pay off as well. And I mean, I know it's, it's, it's got to be a lot shorter because it's a film. I don't know. I just felt like a lot of it didn't really pay off as much. And they really gave, didn't give as many of like the main characters enough time yeah. for their story. Like, especially Cabal, like Cabal kind of pops up and you, you hint that he knows one of the characters and it's kind of like just pulled to the side and you don't really get enough of it. And I think that's what really, you know, and hopefully they touch base on that in the sequel more. Yeah. Yeah, no, I hope so too. There's still like, that's the, that's the awesome part about like the Mortal Kombat franchise is there are so many places they could go with this, but like, so that's kind of why I was expecting the first one. I I think I was expecting just a little bit more from the first one, but uh, I I feel like you guys, honestly, if I'm thinking about it, sorry, just to kind of like hop in from the sidelines here. If, if I'm looking at it subjectively, you guys got something that was definitely better than like what Dragon Ball Z fans got. Well, or or dude. hold on, hold oh. on, or let me continue, or or let's Avatar? say even like GI Joe fans. Like I feel like you guys got pr- treated pretty well in comparison because when you guys were talking about it, I just started thinking about that GI Joe movie and like holy shit. You know what, Boozy, you're entirely right. <laughs> um, <laughs> like I, it just it makes me realize that like as as someone spoiled. from the sidelines that like. It this is a home run, and I know like a, a lot of the old uh, Mortal Kombat movies, they are what they are. But like, you know what I mean? Like, you guys got something great, so you know, a lo- I think that's a good standard as long as you didn't get GI Joe. I mean, 
like I did, yeah, I did like enjoy it, but I'm gonna get I'm gonna get laughed at here, and I don't, I don't care because I have no shame. I really enjoyed the G- first GI Joe movie. I still have never seen it. It's what? It's, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's that. I'm not man. It's like an, it's like a more action version of like Agent Cody Banks. Oh, okay. Now I'm sold. <laughs> okay, yeah. It's Done. so goofy though, and yeah. it destroys yeah. everything. In that and you got Channing Tatum. Yeah, no, Channing Tatum. I'm glad that like he get, he kind of just disappears in the sequel, even though the sequel's terrible. But uh, <laughs> you know, I, I don't know. I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed dumb stuff. I mean, one of my favorite movies is the '98 Godzilla, as you guys hey, know. Amen <laughs> to that. But like, it's yeah, that movie's a masterpiece in my opinion. For, for something that's corny and bad, it's a masterpiece. Yeah. But, oh, yeah, uh, you're, you're onto something there. It's funny, though, Cody, because uh, our other friend, like Seb Terrio, who's been on the show a couple times, he did our, our logo for the Terror Table. He, I see so many similarities to you guys, and you guys are both artists. And it's just like you're definitely more fans of like visual stuff rather than uh, visual and nostalgia and like just eye candy. That's your thing. And I can totally understand enjoying Mortal Kombat on that level. Yeah. What's his name? I'll follow him. Uh, Stereo Design. He's amazing, man. Go on Instagram. Yeah, Stereo Design. He's so fucking good. Uh, but also, fuck him. Let's move on. So, yeah, other than <laughs> Jackson. Shout out to our boy, Seb. Go fuck yeah. yourself. <laughs> Thanks for making our logo for free. <laughs> <laughs> but Ray, uh, Raiden's eyes also drove me crazy in the movie. I just That's the last thing I got to say. That fucking. Oh, that, okay. One very, very last thing. The score, like the the sound of the Mortal Kombat theme, there's nothing in the world that will get you more jacked up than that. Like, I'm telling you guys, like, I, I don't understand how they didn't do the original theme until the very end of the movie. It's like that that should have been in the very first fight sequence. We should have opened up with that. Like, let's get the energy up. What uh, was, I just didn't feel it. What was your opinion of the new remix? Oh, ter- I do not like it. <laughs> But also, like, let's let's not act like the the originals are all like, especially um, there <laughs> it's was a masterpiece. Uh, yeah, like, but but it's great for its time. But yeah, not a fan of the new one. What about you? I uh, I think I'm the only one that like I remember when it first came out and I read the comment section on YouTube and it was everyone just just complaining about it. And I mean, I I kind of dig that music sometimes, so like I I, I enjoyed it. But I mean, the, in the trailer, and they only do it once in the movie. But like the cinematic version of the Mortal Kombat theme, I reckon should have been so much better. Yeah, like if it was played instead of the um, the club remix. Yeah, exactly. I think that's the that's the reason why. Like, I'm just not generally a fan of like cl- club music because I'm uh, my brain like I don't understand it, and that's like no disrespect to anyone who does. It's just it's one of those things that I just can't get into. And Mitch's uh, brain just doesn't understand being up in the club. No, it doesn't. It all went out the window after I Superman that hoe. You soldier boy, tell <laughs> soldier boy reference. Uh, but yeah, no, uh, yeah, just not, not, no. I wasn't too big of a fan of Mortal Kombat, which was very disappointing for me. Um, but do you guys want to talk about what we came here to talk about, or Cody? Do you have anything else you want to mention before we get on to our Ghostbuster special? That's all. I'm ready to get into it. You ready to uh, get some um, stuff on your face, Boozy? Ectoplasm? <laughs> when have I ever turned it down? <laughs> <laughs> Alright, we'll see you on the other side. Hello, Ghostbusters. 
They're real. You do? You have? They're here. Ghostbusters. Hey, anybody see a ghost? They catch the ghost that won't stay dead. They're armed. They're dangerous. Try to imagine all life as you know it stopping instantaneously and every molecule in your body exploding at the speed of light. All right, that's bad. Okay. All right, important safety tip. Thanks, Egon. They're professionals. Oh, I'm the chairman of the largest paranormal removal company in America. You see it? They're all that stands between you and the end of the world. The city is headed for a disaster of biblical proportion. Real wrath of God type stuff. Exactly. Fire and brimstone coming down from the sky. Human sacrifice, dogs and cats living together, mass hysteria. Your girlfriend lives in the corner penthouse of Spook Central. You want this body? Is this a trick question? Play your stick. Hold! Heat him up! Smoke him! Make him hard! Ready! Ghostbusters. Starring Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, Sigourney Weaver, Harold Ramis, Rick Moranis. Coming to save the world. Ghostbusters. We came, we saw, we kicked it. All right, and welcome to our main feature presentation where we're giving you guys a Ghostbusters special. This is an all-in special. We're going to be talking about the first installment. We're going to be talking about the second one. Uh, we're going to talk about 2016. I already briefly mentioned the real Ghostbusters, so I don't think I, there's a lot more to say there. But uh, I'll also share a little bit more thoughts on the video game. But I want to start off talking about the film itself. And uh, I guess there's no better way to do that than asking Cody how, why you chose this movie and particularly this franchise. Like, what is Ghostbusters to you? Ghostbusters to me was like, was like goosebumps it was a movie that i was allowed to watch as a kid that had horror elements and i mean i remember there was a time when i was really sick as a kid and my mum brought me the vhs i think also because she was sick and tired of me always renting it every week uh, <laughs> along that with, was more like of an investment at that point yeah along with uh and i'm bringing it up again along with 98's godzilla with matthew broderick that was the other movie i always hired out but um yes yeah Ghostbusters was just, uh, it was, it's just been one of my favorite movies since I was a kid. And same with the sequel. I mean, and it's just, it's just, it's from the heart. It's, it's always been a special movie to me. So I'm really, that's why I chose it. Awesome. Yeah, no. And like, there's uh so these aren't necessarily horror movies, but they definitely lean enough into horror to be justified viewing on the show, obviously. Uh, I'm definitely happy that we're finally doing a Ghostbusters episode, but uh, the film is starring, of course, Dan Aykroyd as Dr. Raymond Stance. We got Bill Murray as Dr. Peter Venkman, Harold Ramis, rest in peace, as Dr. Egon Spengler, Ernie Hudson as Winston Zedmore, Sigourney Weaver as Dana Barrett, a- Annie Potts as Janine, the receptionist, and of course, Rick Moranis as Louis Tully. 
The film was directed by Ivan Reitman and was written by Dan Aykroyd and Harold Ramis. There was also an uncredited credit towards uh, Rick Moranis because I believe he did some writing on the film as well. Uh, but something that we'll probably talk about, I'm not sure, because uh, Cody, you told me that you have seen Cleaning Up the Town, correct? I actually haven't. I have seen a few clips from it, but it's really hard to find. I think I'm going to have to rent it on um, on the internet and yeah, just watch absolutely. it absolutely. I definitely I, need to watch it. Yeah, I highly recommend that. And if like I don't plan on getting into all the nitty gritty stuff about Ghostbusters, it's more so this is just going to be a celebration of the film and the franchise. Um, but I do recommend that. I, it's about a two hour documentary, and it's got for Ghostbusters fans. It's it's all there. There's all the information that you could really want. But um, like I said, the film itself, Ghostbusters, was directed by Ivan Reitman, who is a Canadian boy. Shout out Canadian. And uh, before Ghostbusters, he directed Foxy Lady, the horror comedy, Cannibal Girls, Meatballs, and Stripes. After the success of Ghostbusters, Ivan went on to direct the sequel we will be talking about today, as well as Twins, Kindergarten Cop, Junior, Father's Day, Six Days and Seven Nights, Evolution, My Super Ex-Girlfriend, No Strings Attached, and Draft Day. I felt like it was important because uh, Ivan Reitman is a legendary filmmaker, especially in the comedy genre, and it's whoa, pretty whoa, cool. Whoa, whoa, I think you missed one. Which one? Space Jam. He didn't direct Space Jam. <laughs> Did he not? No way. I, I had no idea he directed Evolution. That movie is a classic. Yeah, Boozy, don't you love Evolution? I I do, but I haven't seen that in years. Oh, yeah, that is, on, that's perfect, that movie. Yeah, it's on Amazon. I want to watch it soon. Now I'm looking up who did. Yeah, never Joe, mind. He he produced it. Was he a producer? Yeah. Oh yeah, I didn't even know that. But yeah, it's Space Jam, another movie that uh, kids and a lot of people love. But like, yeah, so this dude has just done incredible work. And of course, we have Ivan's son, Jason Reitman, who uh, he appears in Ghostbusters two for a brief scene, but he co-wrote and directed the upcoming sequel, Ghostbusters Afterlife, which. It was supposed to come out last July in 2020. It was moved to June 11th, 2021. We should be almost seeing it by now. Uh, but now it's not being released until November 11th. So we're going to talk about Ghostbusters, get you guys excited, and hopefully inspire you to check out the franchise again. Pretty obvious where I stand, but Boozy, let's hear where you are at. Oh, I feel like I'm going to be the worst person for this episode. Um, Why? I... I don't have, like, any nostalgia with Ghostbusters. I watched it, like, once when I was a kid. Once or twice. So this is maybe, like, my third time watching it. And I don't know. I just, I don't have as much of a connection to it, I guess. Like, I've, I think I've watched the cartoon more than I've even watched the movie. Yeah, I don't know. And the other thing is, like, I, I maybe it's just me, but I don't I don't get Bill Murray. I don't, I don't get why everybody's obsessed with Bill Murray. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> yeah, I'll, wait I'll admit. I'll admit, I'm glad that, like, there's one person here talking who's not as obsessed with Ghostbusters as Mitch and I are, which means it might sort of level out the other field with the review. So I'm really excited to hear what you think of Ghostbusters. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's a very good way to look at it. Because and I'm not like... even trying to be, like, negative. I'm literally just, like, I don't have, like, I understand no, how dude, much I, people you know love what? it. Boozy, I get it entirely because I feel the same way that you feel about Ghostbusters from the sounds of it uh, to Princess Bride. A movie that's like very <laughs> beloved. Dude, Sorry, I didn't see Princess Bride till like four years ago, and I get that. Same thing. I didn't get that either. Cody, did we just upset you? Uh -oh. I actually haven't seen the Princess Bride. 
Oh no, it's oh, fine. Okay, you're perfect. you're good. <laughs> <laughs> There's so many people listening, being like, "What the fuck is wrong with these people? <laughs> we are not off like, to." Yeah, I was expecting some other really good '80s film, not that. <laughs> yeah, no, totally. But like, yeah, I'm a, I'm a huge Ghostbusters fan, and honestly, I feel like this most recent rewatch and this preparation for this episode has made me a bigger fan than I've ever been. Um, I've like I saw the movies when I was younger as a kid, like the same way Cody did. My I was sick and my mom rented it for me. And then the sequel was always on TV. And it was just one of those things where I've always loved Bill Murray. And uh, I can explain to you that the reason people like him is because he's hilarious. He's awesome. And his like his comedic timing is just like unlike almost anyone else. But I think that that goes to say for like the same thing could be said for Dan Aykroyd and Harold Ramis. Like uh, I think they're all these people are like equally as genius. And I think Mitch, that you're that's like a great point. Is that like yeah, you know, Bill Murray does have some great comedy timing in this, but yeah, he wouldn't be anywhere without anybody else also having great comedy timing in this. Well, so yeah, not it definitely just, not to just come in and shit on. I'm just literally trying to be like, yeah, there's are other no. funny people in this. Yeah, no, that that's a fair point, but it, he is he's elevated to the like he the only reason he's so iconic is because of everyone else around him being so iconic as well. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like one of those those projects that just like it seemed like every single beat that they made worked, and uh, at least for me and uh, a lot of other people, and I, I'm definitely looking forward to hearing boozy shit all over Ghostbusters. <laughs> <laughs> I've kind of gone to a different place the last week. I have watched both of these movies multiple times in the last week. Kind of going through some shit right now. And uh, the positive energy and vibe of the movies and accompanied with the the childlike whimsy that that plays out throughout both movies. I, uh, I'm just a very big fan and it's been hitting me in my sweet spot recently. And that's why I, I even went to the extent of I found out about the video game, which is from 2009, and they remastered it. And somehow I never knew about this, but I bought it and I wrapped the whole thing like it was it was an incredible experience. And it's just because I love these characters so much in this this environment. So I totally I totally get where where your love comes from, Cody. I relate to that a lot too with um, with the film and, you know, sort of how it makes me it just takes me back to when I was a kid. And I mean, I had family visit uh, last weekend when I watched uh, the first two Ghostbuster films and to sit there with my mum and have her enjoy it. Like, she loved it and I didn't really, like... I don't know, I just never thought that, she like, my family would love it as much as me and it's just such a good film that, like, anyone can enjoy something out of it. So to see my mum enjoy it was was really nice and so, yeah, I really agree with that. There are so many there's so many things to talk about here like cuz we we're going to obviously talk about the upcoming sequel a little bit well at least uh Cody and I will and Boozy you can chime in hopefully <laughs> cuz I I can't imagine that your hype is very high for that for the new one hey Boozy Well I didn't even realize it was a thing until recently <laughs> Seriously? Yeah, I, I it's so off my radar. Oh crazy. So the plot of the new one is obviously a family go back to, well, they're run, they're down on their luck, and they go to pretty much the last thing on their, just in their will, and that is um, that their grand, their granddad's house in the middle of nowhere, and it's obviously one of the Ghostbusters, and you know, obviously it'd be Howard Ramis because unfortunately Howard Ramis passed away a few years ago, uh, but 
I feel like it's a dead set, like diehard sequel to the original film. And I was saying to Mitch off air before that I think it's going to be in that sense, like, I mean, like Avengers Endgame was where it was just so much heart. And I feel like this movie's going to have a lot of heart and it's going to be really emotional, especially for Ghostbusters fans. Yeah. Yeah, no, because the loss of Harold Ramis was huge um, when he 100%. passed away. Yeah, and he he's a, an absolute legend in his own right. And he's obviously his performance is incredible in this film, but he's really the reason why it, he's one of the main reasons it exists, like him and Aykroyd. And that's one of the things that I love so much about Ghostbusters is knowing that like Dan Aykroyd actually takes this stuff very seriously. And uh, do you guys yeah, know I about all read that? His dad's book. <laughs> yeah yeah so he like like while also under he also like he understands the absurdity of all of the like the ghost stuff and the paranormal but he's like making a joke about how hokey the whole paranormal belief system is while brilliantly opening your heart to like the world of these really unique and complex and hilarious characters and uh the turmoil that they put themselves in like this movie is it's epic like it's it's a 80s blockbuster for a reason and the it comes down to all of the ghost hunting shit that they do in here the stave puff man being like some of the most iconic imagery in in 80s cinema maybe even going further from that but uh i love how how seriously Aykroyd takes this stuff and how he treats it with a straight face and that's what makes it funny and uh yeah, actually, I wrote down a couple quotes from Aykroyd about the paranormal, if you guys want to hear them. Of course we do. Yeah, so I found these quotes come from todayifoundit.com. Uh, the first one is, my mother speaks about a time when she was nursing me and an old couple came, came, to, came to the end of the bed. The image faded away. She pulled out an album and saw that it was my great-grandfather and his wife coming to approve the new child. So that's like one a real quote from him. He also said as a or this is just a quote from the website. Sorry. As a child, Aykroyd was told by his father of tales of his great grandfather's seances, including the family even employed a medium who would channel a variety of people. His father's fascination with the paranormal was so great that in 2009, his father published what has been described as an encyclopedic book on the subject, A History of Ghosts. So I'm definitely reading that now because I didn't even know that part. I, and I actually, um, yeah, history gun actually has pretty good reviews for it. So that'd be definitely really interesting to check out. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I guess I also, it's a, sorry. Oh, no, you go. I was just going to say the one thing that that hasn't been stated enough that I, I I like wrote this down and I underlined it like three times is how we must protect Ernie Hudson at all costs. Star of Leviathan and Congo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think he's great in this movie and i don't think he gets enough time he doesn't oh, no, he... get enough time at all um there's actually so they originally had the part for eddie murphy and eddie yep. murphy couldn't do it so they got ernie hudson yeah and eddie murphy was... was doing beverly hills cop at the time i think so yeah and i mean yeah. i love that would have, that would have been hudson. very interesting to have eddie murphy in there because yeah ernie hudson does not get enough time so like you know he was have, written uh, that way yeah, to have Eddie Murphy character though also be that like I think he he fits that role perfectly. In terms yeah, he of, does. yeah, I really I, I really like the way he's portrayed in the sequel as well. I feel like they make him a little bit more goofier as well in the sequel. That I actually really yeah. liked as well. He's yeah, he's a little more like saltier. Yeah, I, I got lots to say about the sequel. <laughs> uh, I can't wait to get into the sequel. 
Oh yeah. But like that's the thing is that the beginning like the first draft of Ghostbusters was like Ackroyd had them using magic wands instead of proton packs and they traveled through time and other dimensions hunting ghosts instead of like just New York City. But like oh. yeah, so they originally it was Eddie Murphy and John Belushi and John Candy. And I know from cleaning up the streets, like a lot of the stuff that I know, it's either from like the obviously the website they stated before or cleaning up the town, the doc documentary on Ghostbusters. But uh, John Belushi had passed away as Dan Aykroyd was writing his character. And Aykroyd and Belushi were like everyone knows they were very close friends. So that obviously affected him very like uh, it affected him a lot. And he even modeled the character of Slimer off of Belushi. Yeah. Yeah. Wicked. <laughs> what a weird character to be. You know what I mean? Like there's there's uh, we, we got the memorialized you with this green monster. Well, that's kind of who John Belushi was. <laughs> like he, I think he would have liked that. Uh, he, he definitely would have seen the humor in it. And like, oh, no, I just think, I think that's hilarious on its own. Yeah, I also think John Candy would have been fucking amazing in this movie. Obviously, but uh, I know he. I think he was just too expensive. Could you imagine like a nineties remake of it with um, Chris Farley in it? Oh man, that would be fun. That'd be so <laughs> like, much fun. Yeah, just because that shit doesn't, you just can't work anymore that way. Like, but, but, uh, Farley could have done it. Absolutely. A hundred percent. But I just, like, I kind of love how even go this movie, Ghostbusters, like, it's, it, this has got to be one of those top examples of movies that we all likely saw when we were kids, but we didn't realize how raunchy it was until much later in life. Nearly all of Bill Murray's dialogue is overt sexuality. Well, that's, yeah, he's that's a real really... horn dog in this movie. <laughs> That's actually in my notes. It's just Peter Venkman is a giant sleaze bag. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he totally is. But to be fair, every time that it happens in this movie, uh, like Sigourney with Sigourney Weaver and everything, she's obviously seeing some charm in it, and it doesn't come off as like he's actually harassing people. But the the first scene doesn't age incredibly well. I, okay, I have to ask you guys because you know, obviously you guys have seen this a lot more and care much more deeply about the franchise as a whole. Did did this movie ever give you guys like a weird slime fetish? No, no, no. Take as much time as you want to answer, Cody. It gave me a stay <laughs> stay puffed fetish. Oh, okay. So, oh, my brother's my couch was looking real good, good. but my brother watched it as well the other night. And you know the scene where they enter the library and there's like all the plasma all over the books and all over like. Ghost all those cupboards. My brother was just like, wow, uh, someone really likes reading. <laughs> and then it was just ever since then, it was pure like of those jokes, the whole entire film. Jizz but, joke. No, yeah. I, to answer your question, Busey, I do not have a, a uh, plasma fetish. <laughs> the, re Thank you. the real question is, who would the cast be? So I'm thinking Cody's stance, because you're, you're the heartbeat. And we got Boozy would be Venkman, because he's a sexual predator. And I guess I'll take Egon. <laughs> I like Kyle, that, that would be like Kyle, other Kyle's Egon. Kyle, Kyle is, is Egon. Oh, I think Kyle's Lewis Tully. I think he's Rick Moranis. <laughs> yeah, Actually, no, no, no. That that is that's Kyle right there. I yeah. will say, I will say this. Everyone has at least what had at least one person in high school that was Rick Moranis' character from Ghostbusters. Just tried really hard to be everyone's friend. <laughs> oh yeah. I, I host a podcast with him now. Yeah, and the one that I'm thinking of works at Sobeys now. 
Oh yeah. <laughs> like I don't know if you guys knew about this, but like most of this movie was ad libbed. <laughs> like between Aykroyd and Bill Murray and Harold Ramis, like that just goes to show how like actual genius they are. That's the the chemistry showing through. Yeah, it's perfect. It's like that's what the movie absolutely that's the reason why it is the classic that it is today is like you just like love that cast of characters, or at least I do. I still love no, them. And I, I, I actually want to hop in and say that, yeah, although I don't, like I have said, I don't have that same nostalgia, is that these guys feed off each other so well, and it is overall, like, it's it's a bunch of likable people tr- being likable. Do you know what I mean? Like, they're, this is a perfect encapsulation of, like, everything about the 80s that was, like, fun. You know what I mean? Down to even, like, the music. They have, like, montages in here, and they're yeah. all, like, joking around with each other. Just... Yeah, I don't just everything about it is really lighthearted and even any of the kind of quote unquote horror elements are meant to be fun. Like the payoff is usually like someone gets gooed on or yeah. you know, someone screams. <laughs> it also features one of the best lines in any movies ever, which is this man has no dick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love that scene. That still hits. I will say one thing that still hits is the um it's just the opening. Not just the opening, but the the use of props and the way they do them still most of them still hold up to this day. I mean, I know the CGI is terrible now, but for example, the eggs cooking on the uh, on the bench is oh, still so amazing. Good. Yeah. That's still incredible how they did that. All oh, the cards flying out of the drawers, or even the books floating. Like you, get, like I understand, like the books would be just you know string and just carrying the string around but it's just so still as it floats by it's smooth well done yeah it's smooth it seems like it's seamless like you can't if there were strings you couldn't see them at all and that's yeah the the effects work in the this movie is amazing uh down to actually putting a real person there's a real person in that stay puffed suit So like they set that thing on fire with a human being being inside of it, and I don't know. I'm like I'm claustrophobic to begin with, so that terrifies me. Thinking of being <laughs> that's, trapped that's in the a kind fucking... of commitment you want from a movie. Oh yeah, well that's just a legendary stunt man right there. <laughs> well, but, I'll, uh, I'll say one thing. My mum is a librarian, yes. and the like book there was like a book fair. <laughs> okay, once we're a listening. There was a there was a book fair once a year, and every year she'd order from, like, Scholastic an actual, like, Clifford suit, like Clifford the Big Red Dog. Oh, my God. Or the very cranky no bear suit. And, and obviously, I I loved, you know, I did it. And I'll tell you one thing. I was in those suits for 30 minutes, and, my God, they are the hottest, most uncomfortable thing ever. I can't imagine. So it was so, just, like, basically, like, uh, what are those called? Like, the... People hype people up at football games. Mascot, like you were, it was like a mascot yeah. suit. Yeah, just... but you're like a you're a furry. <laughs> to have the, to like to even think people do that for an eight hour job where they're in those suits twenty four seven. It's just it's a not feels like a nightmare. I don't yeah. think they have to wear twenty four seven. Well, that much. Though, <laughs> yeah. Even having to wear it throughout a hockey game would be a lot. What? So was there any ectoplasm at any time in that Clifford suit though? There was. No. <laughs> no, pesky I'll, neighborhood uh, cat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I was Clifford once. I was a very cranky bear once. Uh, I was seeing photos. Yeah, they're great. But you know, those suits were, yeah, they were just like wearing a a portable sauna. It was just yeah. so. Now set it on fire. <laughs> <laughs> well, those I've read. I actually read a bit of Ghostbusters trivia, and uh, 
those marshmallow man suits were twenty thousand dollars each. Fuck. <laughs> that's like more Maybe. than my car. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, that's more than a lot of my things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's crazy the commitment that and the the faith that they put in this movie too. Like this was not a cheap movie to make. But one thing that I definitely want to mention before we move on is my probably like one of my all time favorite actors and if there's one person I could meet in the world, it would probably be Sigourney Weaver. Like I am a huge Sigourney fan. Like, yes. from, you know, the alien franchise, obviously. Uh, but this as well, like her, her portrayal in this movie is so iconic for me. And like it, this is like, this is one of those movies that it actually scared me when I was little. It wasn't as bad for me as like Ernest scared stupid, but it legitimately scared me particularly what was the like when when she starts being possessed the first time like that that part really fucking ruined me as a kid i love her performance i love her chemistry with bankman can i just say that it is really odd for somebody who's like mostly invested in sigourney weaver for for alien to see her in in this it's just such a completely different role for her to just be this like bubbly likable not not that she's not likable as ripley but this is just, you know, kind of bubbly, fun person the whole time. Yeah. But she's just a really good actor. And uh, this was what I was trying to explain. I remember, I think it was in like the first five episodes of the tarot table. Unfortunately, of course, we started off being horny as hell. It's like, I find Sigourney so attractive in Ghostbusters. I still, no, nah, like Sigourney seems like you're my like auntie or something. Like, nope. <laughs> I think that's why I like her, because she reminds me of your auntie. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll, I'll let her know that. that. I, I feel like she's yeah, she gives off art vibes. It's, yeah, but no, I think she kills it in Ghostbusters, and I love her in um in Alien, and she's just a yeah, she's a terrific actress, and I'm glad that she's in the new one too. So yeah, cool. Well, do you guys want to hop on to Ghostbusters two? Yeah. All right. So Ghostbusters two came out in 1989. This is a movie like obviously Ghostbusters didn't need a sequel ever, but uh, it's also a shame that we don't have 40 of them. Cody, what what are your opinions on Ghostbusters 2? Okay, I understand that it's the exact same plot. And I understand, I don't know why, but it just makes it funnier. I think the idea of they save New York City and yet still just no one cares about them. I think that's just hilarious. It is. Uh, I think it actually makes, the the older I get, the more... it makes it funnier to me for some reason, but I love it. And I understand where everyone gets with why they don't like it. Uh, but that's fine. I mean, I know it's a repetitive movie and I know that, you know, they, they change up a couple of the characters a little bit, but no, I love it, man. I, I And I think, and this is my opinion. I, I like the ghosts a little bit, just a tiny bit more in this one than the original. I think like they were more imaginative. Yeah, that's fair. I think they were more creative. Yeah, they have like the the Titanic ghosts. I thought that was that a nice was, touch. That, that was, was what I was going. Yeah, that was what I was. It's kind of a up. savage move. <laughs> yeah, it, it really is. is. Like, imagine. <laughs> I wonder if Ghostbusters Afterlife is going to have them standing by the twin towers. Like, well, do you reckon they'll say you guys? I get. I get the same thing in Ghostbusters too when they see the Titanic and they're like, "Oh, better late than never." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> again, again, 
And Mitch, against all odds, they finally came home. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to hell. (laughs) Oh, man. Well, that's the thing, though, is like I get I get the knee jerk reaction to be all like, you know, kind of shocked that I would say something like that. But let's be real, dude, like Ghostbusters 2, including the Titanic, is still pretty fucked up. But but I also like see the humor in it and find it funny. Like, you know, enough time has passed. (laughs) Oh, look, I I think um, especially nowadays, you can't do a scene like that. I I think a lot of the things in 80s movies, especially Ghostbusters, you kind of like fucking Peter Venkman. You can't really do Peter Venkman anymore. No. But I think it sucks because it's so funny. And I mean, (laughs) it's because it's a joke. You could have just had the Titanic show up. But the fact that they had to have all of them like walk out and they're all just corpses. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's just it's so good. It's it's darkly comical. And yeah, uh, yeah no, and I, I totally man, there there are days where I will say I like Ghostbusters 2 more than the original. Like I fucking love Ghostbusters 2. Guys, let let me let me butt in here and say that this is my first time seeing Ghostbusters 2, and I also really enjoyed it. I do have a problem with it, and that is, I think, Oscar the Baby is ugly. Um, trivia, the, the guy who was the, the actor who played Oscar actually died like four years ago. Oh, oh. rest in peace. He was probably yeah. ugly then, too. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, savage. <laughs> but yeah. no, okay, sorry, I was going to say, Ghostbusters 2 is hilarious. I really enjoyed it. I... Like Cody said about the fact that nobody gives a sh- I love the fact that they're like kids entertainers, like, and everybody like doesn't like them. I, I think that's oh. that's hilarious. And they're they're shitty homemade commercials. Yeah, Venkman on the world of the psychic scene is just comedy gold. Like I <laughs> I love that whole scene. It's just so good. But yeah, I think that just in general, the movie, this movie is funnier because I think it's a little bit more adult. And it's also like it's it's definitely sleazier than the first one. But I appreciate that about it. I think that Murray, like Bill Murray, really pushes the limits in this movie. And uh, like there's that there's that one line where I think it's Egon who says, I want a guy I want a gynecology report from that woman. And then Venkman's like, who wouldn't? (laughs) <laughs> I, you know what I think the cool thing about this is this movie adds a, a baby and like a love story to it and gets raunchier most yeah. like sequels go the opposite way it like becomes the, the family friendly sequel this movie's just like fuck it there's still a baby but who cares yeah take notes look who's talking to yeah. <laughs> I will say one thing that I actually that's with the character especially with characters and for both films and I didn't, at least to a scene that I didn't notice until I recently watched it, but these are the dumbest scientists I've ever seen in any movie. And it's amazing. I was about to challenge you with Armageddon, but they were uh, miners. Like, or, yeah, you? I think they're in Armageddon, they're like, aren't they coal miners or something? And they put them in space as... as so, uh, yeah, please, they're, please they're like me. underground drillers or something. Yeah. <laughs> Mitch, Mitch, please tell me you've heard Ben Affleck's commentary on on Armageddon about that exact like topic. It's fucking incredible. It almost it, redeems him for the back tattoo. <laughs> that back tattoo. Have you heard of that, Busey? No, I haven't. So Ben Affleck, in an interview, I think it's in the commentary of Armageddon, apparently pulled Michael Bay aside during like the start of the filming and was like. Wouldn't it be easier if you just got astronauts to do a driller's job and not drillers to do an astronaut's job? 
<laughs> and he's like, anyway, and then Michael Bay just told me to go fuck myself. And then I was like, all right, fair enough. And I just... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah, fair enough. His response was something like, "How about you go fuck yourself?" And then he just walked away. It's just oh. savage. With the with them being scientists and they're just idiots, is there's a scene, and I didn't realize this until I recently watched it. There's a scene you guys probably would have noticed it, but it's where um, Spengler turns on Ray's proton pack, and then he just like slowly backs away from it, like it's radioactive. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I didn't notice that, and it was just so funny. Oh, yeah, because he's just willing to blow him up. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, there's so many. And, like, uh, Bill Murray acting as the, um, like, Venkman really steals this movie, in my opinion. Like, there's still some awesome Egon moments and, uh, like, great stance moments. And, and Zed Moore is, uh, this also, like, Zed Moore, you really see a lot more of his chops in this film. Like, he's got some of the best lines in the movie, I think. And I think that that was obviously like a conscious decision after like that, that would, that character was only added like halfway through actually writing the first draft. So it makes sense that they'd give him a lot more character in ghostbusters too. And that's something I appreciate. But Bill Murray acting like that, uh, construction worker on the street, the city worker, <laughs> that, that whole scene is just fucking hilarious to me. <laughs> what do you, what were you, I can't pronounce his name properly, but what do you guys reckon of the art curator? Genozoid, his name is oh, that crazy. Oh, I have. I, I feel like I have a note in here because that his name's Doctor Poha, and I feel like Kyle's game with the ladies would be similar to Doctor Poha. <laughs> oh, I I'll say one thing about Kyle. I was I was upset we didn't get to speak today, but um, I absolutely love that you guys just give him so much shit, and he just takes it like a man. <laughs> <laughs> He's the turntable just... punching bag. <laughs> He's like. He's like that person you just you can just make fun of, and they just agree about it, even if it's not true. <laughs> yeah, he's a good sport, and he's got a sweet ass. He's got that big dump truck. And yeah, he has a he... nice Degrassi pillow. Oh yeah, his hump pillow is what you called it. <laughs> his hump pillow. <laughs> awesome. Well, yeah, and I think the only last thing I'll say about Ghostbusters 2 is like the the Statue of Liberty, but something else. Like I, I think I would have preferred. I think that's like almost one of my only gripes with the movie, and that's a very stupid gripe to have. But it's just so I, I thought goofy. That was kind of, I thought that was kind of fitting, just that they were trying to like do the same thing as they did in the first one, so that they yeah. needed like something to ride in on. So like I get that part of it. Yeah, and they make they actually make some funny jokes about how ridiculous it is, and yeah. uh, so I don't like I don't totally hate it. But what it, a heartwarming but... ending that singing neutralizes slime, and then Rick Moranis becomes a Ghostbuster. Yeah, and fuck he, he didn't like. Okay, so I just watched 2016 like a couple days ago. Rick Moranis is in that movie. Is he? I don't. I don't think, he is. No, okay, I don't think I, he is. Good acting. I think the yeah. The only the only thing Rick Moranis has done is a commercial with Ryan Reynolds recently. Right. Yeah. yeah. And th- just because he needed some money. That's what You're I thought. Good. Well, I know he, he just really hates the entertainment business. And no, 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 but no, I, it, no I, I'm not saying that in a negative way. I'm like, he's like, get your bag, sis. Like, oh, <laughs> it's true. But also, I think like if, if he's living proof that it's not just actors who get shit on, the guy got punched in the middle of the street. Was it in Toronto or something? Fuck, that was brutal. Yeah, this is racist. Yeah, and he's like the coolest dude. Yeah, I, I fucking love him. But okay, yeah, no. So I, I thought, I thought I heard somewhere that because I was like, I do not remember Rick Moranis being in the 2016 one. Uh, just looked it up. He isn't. 
but uh it is it is a huge bummer that he will do that like t that that uh commercial but he won't come back for ghostbusters afterlife we need him maybe he might be you never know i, I mean, really hope so they haven't they haven't i don't even think um they've confirmed that ernie hudson i'm pretty sure ernie hudson actually confirmed he's in it so they could pretty much bring anyone back but i really hope he's in it if yeah really i hope so too and yeah. um is it annie potts yeah yep. like, yeah she's in it too oh yeah and that's the thing so, too yeah, everyone's like, coming back yeah, so like I was mentioning before how I've been playing the video game and like that's what's so fucking cool about the video game too is that it has like actual, there's like voice acting from the entire gang. You got Harold Ramis, Dan Aykroyd, Bill Murray, Ernie Hudson, Annie Potts is there, uh, even William Arthurton who plays Walter Peck in, in Ghostbusters, he, he's in the video game and Max von Sydow. Is that's voices. actually a pretty big commitment to have all of them come back for it. Like, that's a big deal. Absolutely. Well, because I don't know if you know the history behind this, Boozy, but this is actually the video game is the third script that never happened. Yeah, I, I was kind of looking into that, that 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 had something to do more with the original story and kind of finished up some of that stuff. Yeah, like it, it took place. It takes place two years after Ghostbusters 2. Yeah, so I love that, especially that they didn't retcon Ghostbusters too, because I, I, I know it's one of those movies that it, it's you find weird fans like they're the fan base is so different, because like the, I know so many people who actually really hate Ghostbusters too, and I don't understand that. I don't understand how you can love the first one and not like the second, and you know vice versa. Yeah, they're they're very very similar, and like I, yeah. I'm just gonna say from my point of view, I actually think the the second one for me is a lot of fun. Like I had more fun watching that one. Maybe it's because yeah. I've never seen it before. Yeah, totally, and that that's understandable too, because like it's the uh, like it's much racier humor, and like they they do some wild shit in it, and that's what I really I, appreciate. I just think I think that it's it's a much more interesting story to have this idea of them not having this huge amount of success, which like most sequels go in that direction where like they have to get like humbled or whatever. I think it's hilarious that Jay just like ate shit directly after. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it no. makes it so much better. Yeah. It totally it's does. like they actually have like a struggle right off the bat. They're not just like superheroes. I think I don't know. I think that's that's so funny for that concept. Yeah. yeah. And that's what I was mentioning before in the discussion about Mortal Kombat, but like you, you play as a new member of the team that like essentially just allows you to see the story from a third person. And like, you kind of see the third movie play out through that character there. This game actually does exactly what I've always imagined and always wanted from a Ghostbusters movie is I want to see Ghostbusters in a Gothic castle. Like I want to see them in like an old school. You, you want them like crossover with gargoyles. Yes. Yes, hundred percent. And that's kind of what they. Well, no, you know what I mean. Like the like I want like old ass haunted houses, like mm-hmm. old castles. But yeah, so like there's a lot of the game that takes place in that, and it's it's really challenging if you want it to be. But it can also just be a fun way to experience the story. But bottom line, I just last thing I want to say about the video game: if you're a Ghostbusters fan and you haven't played it, I, ten out of ten recommendation for me. I had such a good time playing it. And it's such a fun and beautiful game. And they put they put a lot of effort into it. And I, I think it, any Ghostbusters fan will be pleased with it. Okay. And like it, that's like, because uh, it's a couple years old. Is that like, it's fairly cheap, hey? Yeah, I got it for 25 bucks on it's Steam. Like, yeah, that's super cheap. Yeah, because it's actually, uh, it came out in 2009. Yeah, I'm actually going to drive, after this podcast ends, I'm actually going to drive down and buy it if it's like 
closer to me because I'm really keen to watch it. I mean, and play it also. But yeah, yeah, it's okay. it's yeah. it's an absolute blast. I I highly recommend it. But um, I, depending on how much you play video games, like don't be scared to lower the difficulty a little because it it's pretty tricky at times. I did that for Mortal Kombat actually, like because I love the story of Mortal Kombat. So I played on on like a beginner mode and then just play the story and then I'll play it again. Yeah, totally. Just because I love a, the story. So I'll probably do that with Ghostbusters. Yeah, no, that's a good idea. It's definitely a game that I will play again. Um, but yeah, they recently remastered it for like PlayStation 4, Xbox, whatever they're called now. And uh, <laughs> I, this is a game that would be amazing on Switch. If you have a Switch, you can get it for that. And like, that's my only regret. I wish I would have played it on Switch, but I, I don't have one. <laughs> yeah, uh, do you guys want to talk about Ghostbusters 2016 or do you have anything you want to add about uh, Ghostbusters 2? I'm all sweet. Y'all good? Yeah, I'm just I'm just gonna say that uh, yeah, like fairly enjoyable movie, ugly baby, but you know we can make that. You know, we can <laughs> I will, I will say one thing. Um, Bill, do you know Bill Murray was actually tricked into doing Ghostbusters too? I no. heard about this. Yes. <laughs> so this is why he refused to do a sequel for so many years. He came out recently and said that uh, he they gave him a script, they gave all of them a script, and it was for a sequel that they loved that was a lot different. Um, and then they rocked up on the first day and they were filming an, old, an entirely different film. Oh, man. The old so bait and switch. Dummy scripts. Uh, <laughs> dummy scripts. That's brutal. And that could explain why there's such a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths, like, especially if you know that piece of trivia. But not knowing that, what they came out with was still pretty fucking great. Oh, 100%. I love, I love Ghostbusters too. Yeah, and like, let's be honest here. Bill Murray's done much worse movies than Go- Ghostbusters too. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. Osmosis God, Jones. <laughs> I loved Osmosis Jones. <laughs> you fucking would. Yeah, I loved it when I was a kid. <laughs> All right, and on to Ghostbusters twenty sixteen, which was directed by Paul Feig and was written by. Wow, I'm already fucking this up again. Katie DePold, uh, Paul Feig, and it's obviously based on the characters that were created by Ivan Reitman, Dan Aykroyd, and Harold Ramis. And the movie stars Melissa McCarthy, Kristen Wiig, Kate McKinnon, Leslie Jones, Zach Woods, Chris Hemsworth, Charles Dance. There's tons of big names in this film. And the movie was obviously met with a ton of controversy when it was originally announced that because we had been, like, I think, well, I guess Cody and I would have grown up hearing the rumors of the Ghostbusters remake or something like that. And like, they would talk about Seth Rogen was going to be in one. Uh, There was one where they were going to have Jonah Hill. It's been tossed around a lot. And the one that we ended up getting released was this one. And it was faced with tons of allegations of people being misogynistic for not liking it, which I think is kind of bullshit. Uh, but I think it also holds a lot of weight because there were a lot of people who were like that. That does not mean that everybody who didn't like it is like that. I think that's one of the big problems that happen around this movie. It's a, it's one of those touchy subjects. You almost don't even want to talk about it because people will just they just simply can't understand how someone would just maybe not like a movie. Right. But uh, what I'm going to say is I saw this. In 2016, I wasn't a fan. I just thought it was kind of very, very, very mediocre and bland. Like, it wasn't even... I was super excited for this movie because uh, I believe Paul Feig did Bridesmaids. And I loved Bridesmaids. And there's a lot of the characters in this. Like, uh, even like Melissa McCarthy, I think I think she's very good at what she does. What she does just doesn't happen to be for me. 
and uh, for the right. most part. And I'm a huge fan of Kristen Wiig, though. I think she's fucking hilarious. And Kate McKinnon's a standout, but like, dude, there's there's a the debatably funniest part of this movie is Melissa McCarthy, Kristen Wiig, and Kate McKinnon standing around talking, and someone farts, and they debate who it was and if it could have <laughs> come from the fart. <laughs> I mean, that was pretty funny. You guys, there, there's a your mama joke in this movie. Yeah. Okay. Okay. It's let me, 2016. Let me, let me come on in. <laughs> let me, let me, let me start in on this one. So this is my first time seeing this one. I want to say there are a couple nice small things in here. Gestures in terms of I, from the point of view of if you're trying to get a new audience invested, like a new generation invested in Ghostbusters the basic story idea. I think they had some cool elements with like how they get their name and that sort of stuff, you know, with like watching the TV and everything and just kind of them, uh, getting together as a group, you know, having like the one person be a security guard and them keep, you know, annoying them until they join. So like I, there was some like, okay, story ideas here, but yeah, it was painfully, painfully unfunny. And, and they, they just, they kept trying. And I think that was maybe like where it went from being, okay, this isn't, not funny to it being kind of annoying is you could tell like there was punch up like anytime all of them had you know which happened quite a bit is anytime any of them had all their backs turned all of them had all of a sudden all these quips about everywhere they were and what they were doing and it's like you you can let it breathe a little bit i felt like they they brought uh melissa mccarthy out with like a gun to her back and they're like say funny things (laughs) like literally every scene it was like get out there and say something funny yeah, it almost seemed like they expected way too much of them. Because also, if you think about how Ghostbusters, like the original, was like majority ad libbed, like that's just right. that's crazy. And it also is the very de- definition of lightning in a bottle. Um, right. But that's the thing is, I like, don't yeah, think this movie was like the worst. Like, I I don't I I guess as a as a someone who's not a huge fan of Ghostbusters, it, it was all right. Like, I I don't know, it was whatever. I don't I couldn't see like a generation of people getting in a debate about it, which obviously kind of did happen. Oh, that was huge. There's, there's a lot of shit that I think right. you might not even know about with just like, yeah, there, there are terrible people out there, but, uh, right. Just from, from an outsider's perspective, looking at it is like, this movie isn't offensive. It's just, yeah, like you said, it's, it's rather bland, but like they had some okay ideas. And I think, uh, you know, the, the funny part is people are, uh, argue would, you know, I guess you're saying like arguing about the, the gender thing. Whereas like Chris Hemsworth was weirdly the funniest person in the movie. And I don't know if he was supposed to be, man, those, those, and I'm sorry, Cody, you haven't been able to talk yet, but, uh, I'm sorry, sorry. Those, but, and I don't well, know. I, I don't know. <laughs> have you seen it recently, Cody? I watched it, uh, I think probably two years ago for the first in fully for the first time, and I think I I think the cast is um like the cast alone is amazing. Like I'm a big fan of Kate McKinnon. I think she's yeah, one of the she's really people. And uh, Leslie Jones is great. And I mean, I'm very hit and miss with Melissa McCarthy, but she did okay in this movie. And I like Kristen Wiig, but I feel like the movie does in the form of what uh, what like the Amazing Spider-Man movies were compared mm-hmm. to like the original Spider-Man movies where it just felt like they tried really hard to make a movie that, you know, like Ghostbusters and they tried really hard and it was just a lot of it felt forced. And it, as Beauty said, it did feel like they had a gun to the back of their, to their backs, like, you know, say some funny things because it felt like really forced and the humor yeah. just, the humor just and didn't it, land. 
So it wasn't, yeah. And I mean, like, and I love Bridesmaids too. I think Bridesmaids is one of the funniest movies I've ever seen. Yeah, and it's I just, so funny. Yeah, but I mean, there's some okay things I like in it, but it's all stuff that they've taken from the um, from the original film. For example, all the cameos I really enjoyed. Dan Aykroyd's cameo was actually quite funny. Yeah. Right. I actually really liked Leslie Jones being like a, the straight man for them for a lot of this movie because she was actually, like the most serious. Speaking of Leslie Jones, she does something really funny that I laughed at, and they they kind of sort of bring up where they get the car from. Yeah, and yeah, they're like, and it's from a funeral home. And she brings that up like that. The way she sort of delivered that joke was really funny, but a lot of it just did really hit for me. And I understand why people like it. Like, I mean, it's you know, some people might enjoy it, and that's fine. But yeah, as a as a someone who's a diehard Ghostbusters fan, I just feel like it was a real miss. Yeah, yeah, no, I pretty much, uh, it sounds like I agree with both of you guys. Like, I've softened up on it a little bit after this most recent watch, but the thing is, it's just simply not a movie for me. Just because I don't find them funny doesn't mean that other people aren't going to, and I love the fact that, like, I'm all for, like, they're, I don't believe almost anything is too sacred to get the treatment that Ghostbusters got, you know, with the, like putting in an all female cast. I'm totally down for that. I don't give a shit. Just give me a good and entertaining movie. And unfortunately they didn't really do that here. Like Boozy had mentioned before, like, I think all the Hemsworth stuff is fucking hilarious, actually. (laughs) Like I was laughing pretty hard on this rewatch where like Melissa McCarthy gets like, I see the issue. I see the issue here that the, the guy shouldn't be the funniest part. Um, yeah. but at this, but at the same time, it's like, like I said before, you know, there's a good chance that some people found Hemsworth not to be funny at all. And they were laughing at, uh, Melissa McCarthy walking in slow motion or rap music. Like there's just some people but, who like that kind of stuff. I think a lot of Melissa McCarthy's stuff in this is stuff that you would see in like an animated Pixar movie and it would be like a side character. Like that's kind of the jokes that she was going for. You know what I mean? Like you're like, you're saying like the dancing to rap music thing. Yeah, it is really frustrating. And I think that like it, if they wanted to make Chris Hemsworth not the funniest character, put him in a different role. Like you could have had one of the Ghostbusters be literally like a, a brain dead character. And I know that they just wouldn't go for You know what I mean? Like, it was, well, it was, I, I see the I see the humor in them sexualizing like they're super over sexualizing their receptionist. Like, it's, yeah, it's no, the same that, thing that women have had to see over how many decades of men doing the same thing. So no, I get I that I, joke. I, I think that's totally fine. But, like, I I think the point of it was kind of going where they're, like, the it's supposed to be more focused on, you know what I mean? Like, the, how we're saying the Melissa McCarthy trying to be, like, the funny one the whole time. It's, like, you could have dulled her character back so much and been kind of, like, a Chris Hemsworth character in you know, like not being as like smart as the rest of them. And it would have been a really funny character, but instead you had somebody going like 150%. Yeah, no, it's uh, that's definitely true. But yeah, there's like that, the one scene where Melissa McCarthy gets Hemsworth to grab her coffee and she asks <laughs> if he remembered the sugar this time. So he like takes a big sip out of it and then spits it all out and goes, Oh, I hate coffee. But yeah, there's sugar in there. <laughs> I was laughing so hard at that. And then uh, the other one. one scene, there was one scene at the end of it where um, I can't remember who wakes up, but someone's like unconscious and they wake up and they're like, "What year is it?" And then someone mentions like a random year in the future, and then Kate McKinnon's like, "The president's a plant." And I don't know <laughs> yeah. why. It's just really funny to me. Yeah. <laughs> <It's just so laughs> stupid. 
Yeah, no, exactly. There there are like little funny moments that are definitely sprinkled through the movie. It's not without any comedy, which I almost kind of felt like the first time around. But like, I, yeah, I, I love I was laughing my ass off when Hemsworth was like, I have to leave work early today because my hide and seek team is in the semifinals. <laughs> <laughs> like that's just, I don't know. See, like, and really that's like funny, funny lines character. like that. Give that, to, give those funny lines to other people that are actually funny. You know what I yeah. mean? It's like he got all the best parts. Melissa McCarthy most of the time was just talking about her soup that she ordered. And I just, and there's like th- three or four times she brings it up within the movie. Oh, dude, that like, soup well, shit. Yeah, she's not oh, funny God. at all. But yeah, there are some good things. And I, I, I don't mean, like, it's not, I do see why people like it. And you can find some enjoyment out of it. And I mean, there's, there's worse reboots and remakes out there in the world. I mean, there are a lot. So it's not, I feel like it gets copped a lot more crap than it should. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I see enjoyment out of it. Yeah. I kind of like, I just file, I file this one under the same category that I put like movies like Neighborhood Watch or uh, like Fist Fight with Charlie Day and Ice Cube or uh, yeah, just extremely forgettable comedies, yeah, quote Exactly. Unquote. Yeah. And like they're just also, those are all movies that just aren't for me. Like, they, like when you hear about my sense of humor and stuff that I like, like that's not what I go to. But there's a reason why those movies are huge when they come out. Right. Uh, people like them, but yeah, it just it, it's kind of just a forgettable, interesting experiment that didn't fully pay off for me. Definitely, way more excited for Afterlife. Oh, so Afterlife, too. does that just disregard th- this one altogether? Or yes, yeah, wow, yeah, it would have been kind of interesting. Uh, I think if you, do you guys have anything else you want to add about 2016? Uh, That's it. Yeah, that, I'm pretty done on that one. <laughs> I think the last thing, because uh, the last thing we can really talk about is the real Ghostbusters, which is the animated series that sounds like all of us grew up watching. Yep. I watched a little bit of it. I wasn't as big on it. I feel like I just went to the uh, movies mostly, but I do, I've, I've seen a couple episodes of it. Yeah. Yeah. It always just like it, it came on around the time where Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles was coming on. And like that was a very hype time in my life for yeah, animated that was shows. Definitely. It was in a solid block. Yeah, and I think Boozy, even in the group you were mentioning, like early Inspector Gadget was fucking badass too. Well, yeah, because we were talking about how they were all basically like they're all animated by the same kind of people, and you can just it's it's funny you can remember a block of your life, even how Cody mentioned, and I totally forget the guy's name, the guy who did the Goosebumps covers. How you can remember like a time just based on artwork you see. Yeah, like those those covers will never leave me at all, and it's yeah, it's just yeah, same thing with Ghostbusters. Yeah, and that's like obviously I think the real Ghostbusters. I went back and watched a few episodes. I didn't watch a ton, but I watched the the first couple, and uh, it's it's still like a good time. And it's just a nostalgia fest, though. It just reminded me more so of anything. It reminded me of all the amazing toys that came out yes. from the Ghostbusters line. Like Ghostbusters had some of the coolest toys, and I always remember being like so jealous of my friends who had an extensive Ghostbusters collection because they always made really appealing toys for kids. I also will say with the TV show, I know that just because I remember watching a lot more of the TV show than anything else, uh, like for the movies, I mean, I remember they added a lot more character to Slimer. Like Slimer became very much like a dog in the TV yeah. show. Slimer was like the the firehouse pet. Yeah, yeah. So totally yeah. Like it was a Dalmatian, basically. Yeah. But that thing is, you know, back in this time, like the 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 only real negative I'll say about it going back to it now is the voice acting sounds like pretty dead. Uh, like right. it, 
maybe literally is phoned in. Like it just feels like the none of the characters just have many much life to them. And you know, obviously animation has come such a long way since this time. Uh, but especially Venkman, who is voiced by none other than Alanis Morissette's sworn enemy, Dave Coulier, Uncle Joey. <laughs> I thought you were about to say he was voiced by Alanis Morissette. It's like, wild choice. <laughs> yeah, that is a bold choice. That's what I was thinking. But yeah, no, I uh, the Ghostbusters was a huge part of my childhood. Don't have a lot to say about it here, uh, but it was cool going back to it and just checking a few episodes out. But either way, I just had an incredible time going through this whole franchise again and just all the different like one-offs, like doing the video game and you know revisiting the animated series. I had such a good time with it. And uh, thank you so much, Cody, for coming on the show finally. I'm so happy we could finally talk with you. You sweet, beautiful angel. <laughs> again, thank you guys so much for uh, having me on here. And again, I was really excited. And I'm so glad to finally talk to you guys. And yeah, again... Thank you so much for all the kind words and I had a lot of fun. And guys, oh, yeah, like man. definitely for, for everyone listening, go check out Cody online. We've shared some of his stuff before. We're definitely gonna share it again. Like he's gonna be huge. Yeah, man. You're destined totally for does. good you're destined for big things. You just gotta keep at it and keep doing what you're doing because whatever you're doing is working. Hundred percent. Thanks, thanks, guys. Yeah, man. Awesome. Well, uh thank you so much for joining again, and we will see you again next time on the Terror Table. 